Um, I know that we have more folks online today. Um, and when I'm up and about in the room or typing, it's always a little challenging for me to also track hands up. So Kimberly is often good to alert me, but I um, also want to encourage folks who are online that want to get in the queue to speak, to speak up, just so I know that you're uh, you're wanting to get in line. Looks like we may have a few more people virtually today than we have in, on most of these meetings. So, um, as always, we have a ambitious agenda and um, and not enough time to fill it, probably, or meet it, match it, align it. But we're going to um, go as quickly as we can, as efficiently as we can through it all. Um, I'm just going to put up these slides. I'm sure you've memorized them by now. Our purpose, our outcomes. Um, we uh, Delegate Lopez won't be here today. Delegate Foley should be here, I think, shortly. Uh, just a reminder on what the letter of intent has asked us to do around timeliness, deadlines, benchmarks, opportunities, etc. Our ground rules uh, in general, I think we've done a good job following these, but in these last few meetings can be really important as we're moving towards agreement on keeping the conversation intentional and with goodwill. Uh, just a reminder, this meeting is three hours. The next two meetings are three hours, so it's an hour shorter. Um, you know, and we spent the last few weeks trying to figure out how do you cram a four week or four hour agenda into a three hour agenda? So we'll see how we do. Um, so we're going to spend the first hour and a half again, just going through the categories as, as we have before. I've, um, I'm going to allot approximately 25 minutes for the discussion on each and hope we can stay within that as best as possible. We'll have a short 10 minute break at 11. Go back into discussions for a couple more items till 1215 and then want to um, wrap up by sharing an initial proposal for what consensus might mean here with this group. Uh, and then also just get clear on what we all see based on what we accomplished today, what the top agenda items should be, top categories should be for the 20th. Um, so last time, uh, if you need to refresh your memory from pre-Labor Day, we finished the notice process. We uh, took on intake resolutions and conditions, certified site plan, and got about halfway through permitting, which is where we're going to start today. Um, uh, our group, as always, meets multiple times in between meetings, so we've done a slight reordering of the list of topics based on the feedback we got at the end of the meeting. Uh, we still got 30 plus more um, public comments between mid-August and September 1st. Uh, we've kind of, we've categorized them, but haven't figured out the impact on uh, summary bullets and whether they all fit within the categories we already have, but we will bring that back to you next week. Um, we began compiling recommendations thanks to Christina and some of the other folks on the, the our small planning team. Um, hopefully by a week from today, you'll be able to see the initial draft list of that. You know, there's 
trying to get the language just right, et cetera. And obviously uh, in this meeting and next meeting, we're hopefully gonna be adding some additional recommendations to that list. So the compilation is a kind of an ongoing process and challenge. And then also we began discussing what the final report will look like based on some conversations we've had in this group and just kind of what makes sense in the very tight time frame we have after the 27th of September to get things done. Um, so this is just kind of a summary. These are the categories we've already talked about on the left-hand column. On the right-hand column are the things that we prioritize that we are really trying to make sure we address in this meeting and the meeting on the 20th. It's still a pretty lengthy list, and that still leaves a whole bunch of categories that we're not clear we're going to actually have time for. And we've had some internal conversations about what happens with all of that um, wherever we land by the 20th to make sure that on the 27th, all of our time is focused on um, approving or not approving each of the different draft recommendations. Um, so uh, again, what we're going to be doing for each of the categories that we address today, we're going to be looking at this. I'll, I'll have it up and be typing notes in it. Uh, I've, I've got copies here. We're going to we're going to be looking mainly at the summary comments and uh, trying to address each of those uh, in the best way possible. If you need to dig into the spreadsheet itself, there are a few copies here. You should have updated version that I sent out on Monday. So if you feel like something somehow didn't get that got missed in the summary, you can bring that back into the conversation. Um, but we're mainly going to be focusing on the summary bullets because we believe that it does a, a, a good job of kind of summarizing the many, many comments that we've gotten. Um, let's see, do I have another slide here? Yeah, so so uh, th this is Steve's ideal version of the agenda. Um, 25 minutes public involvement, 25 minutes East County, 25 minutes lead agency, agency coordination, uh, 25 minutes amendments and administrative, and giving you a 10 minute break. Good person that I am. Uh, and then uh, in that, at least on the prioritized list that we've done so far, these would be the, the next four categories that we'd address on the 20th. Obviously, any any carryover also goes in here and then whatever else we can address in that right hand column that I just shared. So I think that's my last slide to get us grounded here. Is that right? Um, yes, it is. So any questions, comments before we begin? I have a question. Yeah. So good morning, everybody. Hi. So as I look at your agenda, um, and I want to make sure I'm understanding it correctly, I think probably one of the most important topics of this entire process is the agency coordination and lead agency. We've spent so much time on so many other things, and as I look at this, you're intending to spend 25 minutes on it. Is that, am I interpreting it correctly? You are. So the 25 minutes, which is like I said, it's ideal, but it's 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 all of these 25 minute segments are based on the fact that we have not even begun to get near the halfway point of all the categories. 
So any time we spend any any more than 25 minutes we spend on any of these categories means we're going to be addressing even fewer categories going forward. So we well, try to figure out what's a what's a reasonable allocation of time for all the categories, knowing you know, you, we could do a whole meeting probably on each of these categories, right? But we don't have the time to do that. But if we've identified that lead agency is an area where there seems to be some disconnect and one of probably the most important um, point for in terms of time of um, process smoothness, if you will, and getting through the process effectively and meeting the needs of community and government and applicants and everybody. Um, why are we spending so much time on other things as opposed to this item, which in my personal opinion is a significantly important item? So I, I guess my first response would be, um, I think different people in this group have different ideas about which ones are the most important. So we're, I, I'm trying to kind of juggle all those different perspectives. I guess the second thing I would say, especially with regard to lead agencies, so I think there's already been a commitment um, as a result of previous conversations about lead agency in this group, that there will be an interagency group that works after October 1st uh, to, to iron out a lot of those things. To me, I think the best use of our time on lead agency would be, are there specific areas of guidance that this group wants to provide for the conversations that, that interagency group has? So I, I understand, I, I you know, Clearly, to me, as an outsider, lead agency is a really important issue. It's come up before. It, like, like I said, all of these deserve more time than we can give them. I'm not sure we can give that a lot more time today. Okay, I, I've said my piece. It strikes me. I, I think that from how I read the first letter to where we stand today, there's been a significant mission creep. But if that's the will of the group, I'm not going to get in its way for sure. Meredith. Um, I had not understood the 25 minutes to be a statement on the weight to be given to each of these issues. I thought it was just a guideline that tried, you know, to allocate our time so we could cover everything. Some of them might take a very short time. I agree with Diane that agency coordination agency is one of the primary concerns in this group. It's mentioned in the letter of intent, something that was both. If we go back to the comments, there are comments, most comments, I believe, are on the lead agency intake. And I think, so I think it was public involvement was, and then environment. So I, it was in the probably the top six or seven, but it was not the top one. But what I'm saying is it's sort of what got us here strong belief that the conflict slowed down the process. We actually have data to show. So I agree we need to take that. So, so let me ask Pam to go next. And I'm going to be brief because the more we do this, the less time we have to actually get to the bulleted items on our deliberation list today. But what I'll just say is if you know, everyone's had this chart for two to three weeks now, and while I agree, lead agency is exceedingly important. It has been brought up multiple times, but it also spills over into other things. We all agreed, I believe, last week that we wanted to raise public involvement higher on the list, so it is. 
Um, and it has an equal number of bullets as some of these other categories. And you've all had these bullets, you have the list. So I'm not saying that it's any less important, more important. It's just um, we set up kind of a way to start approaching things. And if we don't start talking, we're never going to get right. through it. So yeah, so the 25 minutes is a rule of thumb. I think we acknowledge that hopefully some can go quicker. Some may go a little longer, but we, we just need to realize as a group, every time we go longer with something, it probably means something else is just completely going to fall off the list. And I'm going to look to the group to decide, are we okay with that? But I think to Pam's point, let's dig into the agenda. Lead agency will be, um, we will address it today. We'll, we'll see where we are on time. If it needs more than 25 minutes, I'll check in with the group and we'll see how far we need to go with it. Okay. All right. So, um, first off is going to be uh, finishing off permitting. So, uh, let me just bring up my document here. All right, so last time there, so there are five bullets under permitting. We addressed, but probably not fully addressed three of them last time. Um, we have actually three to go. So no, I'm sorry, we addressed two. We have three to go. Um, I'm not gonna try to summarize what we talked about last time, um, but the, let's, let's go in the order of this Word document. So this one is move subdivision review functions of MC dot to DPS and integrate right away permitting into a single process and agency. So I'm going to ask, I know Isan, I think you're online today. And Tim, Tim's actually in a different seat today. Wow. Okay. I'm trying to reorient my brain here to the seating assignment. Um, uh, I'd ask Tim and Isan to kind of open up and then see where the discussion goes. And I'm going to start tracking time and we'll see how we do in 25 minutes. So uh, Steve, if you don't mind, good morning, everybody. I think one of, before we get to the team's uh, issue, which is the subdivision review function, uh, the issue was the bonding of the right of way as part of the plats approval. Okay. Uh, so that was something that uh, we were going to look into it. We discussed it, so we had a, I think, a great meeting yesterday. Myself, Christina, Gary, and Kate, and our right away folks, we discussed, hey, how we can improve the process, so we are not adding any more time to the to to the approval of the plats. So as a result of that, we drafted the the, the language that I think uh, the group is looking at it, uh, but I think 99% they blessed it. Uh, this would be done all administratively by DPS, <clears throat> and this change uh, would, would would DPS would be able to approve and process the record bond administratively within a few days, which would reduce the record plat approval time drastically, and they can start the bonding of uh, uh, the right away at any time during the process that uh, they start for the site plan review process with park and planning. Say that, uh, that last part one more time, Isa. So they can they can start the bonding for the right away at any time when they start the process with the site plan uh, review pro process with park and planning. 
as long as they have they have identified uh, the roads and the infrastructures, it would be very simple. They can they can they don't have to submit comprehensive drawings, uh, a site plan, uh, anything like that would be sufficient, uh, and we can perform the cost estimate. We can perform uh, the cost estimate and 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 have it for them to get the bond approved. Um, Gary was there, Kate was there, Christina. Uh, if I'm missing anything, uh, you, I, mean, I would like to hear if they have anything or they agree with what I, I just said. No, I think it's a great step. I think, yeah, I think it's a really good resolution, Hassan. Excellent. That's, and I think I updated the, this information uh, as part of your document. If you don't have it, I will send you a write-up on that, Steve. So you would have it, and you can include it in your uh, in, in in your document. That would be great. Thanks so much, Isan. And glad. I mean, I think this is a really good example of some work getting done in between meetings to see what we can move along. Okay. I just wanted to. He said, I just sent you uh, just some very, very minor tweaks to the language. So I just wanted to give you a heads up on that. So but okay. I, I echo what they said, but just wanted to make sure that the right version of that gets posted. Right. Okay. Thank you, Kate. Now, I believe the rest of the meeting can go like yeah. that. No. All right. So Thank I can give much. that time. I can give that time for the lead agency, <laughs> <to> Steve. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Tim's going to take the rest of the 25 minutes. Right. Uh, <laughs> all right. So um, so the next one is about moving the subdivision review functions. Sure. So this is actually not in the first time this has been come up. In fact, when DPS was created, the discussions were centered around just this very thing. And there are certain functions that DOT is responsible for and that in the review of you know, a development application or any change to the transportation network, there's an operational component to it that I've never seen anybody other than the people that operate the system be able to understand and implement. And for those reasons, this is the, the decided to not transfer those positions to DPS when DPS was created first place because number one they were required to actually operate the system and that's where the technical expertise is um, and two once we lost that if you lose that strong connection between the operations you're going to lose the ability to to actually to perform an effective review and so um, yeah we're this is just it's come up time and time again the development review function has lived in different divisions within DOT trying to find the optimal place for it. It's been in traffic where the, the had a close nexus to the people that operate the signals. It's been in engineering where it's had a close nexus to the people that are doing the CIP. Um, and so there's good coordination and communication between CIP projects. And it's currently in our director's office um, because we found that that's, that's the only place that can get touch all of the, the operating parts of our divisions. It ties into parking, it ties into to traffic engineering and operations, it ties, ties into our capital, ties into transit. And in order to do effective reviews, we have to have that strong nexus between the operating position. And it's just something that we've considered 
multiple times over the years, and it's just the right spot for this limited portion of our review is within DOT. We open it up to questions or comments. Eric? Not necessarily the review, Tim, but the engineering. Yeah, thank you. But it ended up we submitting. Right now, we submit permit packages for road. Yes, every review. But then, probably incomplete list, but a couple of them. Street light plans get emailed to someone separate. Street plans go to the you know, county forester. Like um, traffic control plans, they go off to engineering, but they're not. Those are all kind of like separate submittals. There's a way to, and they all need to get approved before we can get the permit from DPS. So if there's a way to clean up that process, sure. and that's I think you part mentioned of that a couple meets ago, and after that, I went back and talked, for example, to our traffic folks who were like, "Why are the MOT plants going?" somewhere else and and the process probably has been updated since the last time and that you, know, you've submitted one. on that but um and so uh dps has filled positions and and they're doing if a traffic control plan is going off of our standards it's only for kind of a highly complex one that it comes back to to our our uh, mot folks within dot the templates and, and just implementing the standard traffic control plan. I think it's all being done by DPS at this point. Um, with regards to, you know, I also said remember that if people are not using e plans, we're going to kick their butt and get them well, on that, it. That, that's that's and, and, and that's forced or yeah. you know clarified. And so that 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 message has been delivered, and, and the change is you know it's another one of those examples of people doing stuff in between the meetings. Gary, I want to make I'm, I'm not sure I'm completely clear on. So the, the, the challenge for you as a developer is that you're still having to submit different transportation related things to different agencies or. Right, so to get a permit for a road, we submit a storm drain paving the whole road design to DPS and their group reviews it. But there's it did. I won't call them ancillary, but there's uh, street trees, for example. Those are supposed to get routed to the county forester so they can review street trees part of that road package. Mention the traffic control plans, which DOT engineering, traffic engineering looks at um, most cases probably, or maybe we're just working on more complicated plans. But um, a lot of those don't get routed through the DPS system. You got to submit something separately to that group and then track it separately. So if we can track everything with there's agreement to do that, but we track everything under one submittal. Um, that would be a big help because you can't get your permit until you check all those boxes. So, and Gary, one way of doing that would be through e plans. Is that? Yeah, no, I think we're, you know, I think, yeah. I think you're talking about two different things, Gary. I mean, what Tim Koppel mm -hmm. is alluding to, it's during subdivision review function. The, 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 e, the, the concerns and the issues you guys raised a while back. Absolutely, with the street lighting, tree, traffic control plan, pavement marking, all those functions are going to be done by DPS. We have been uh, talking to DOT. We have those positions are not being transferred, but we are being trained by DOT. They're subject matter expert. So we are looking by the beginning of the year. So when you submit your package for a right-of-way permit, 
they all going to come. You're going to be just coming to DPS. You don't have to go to DOT for your pavement marking, street lighting, trees, and stuff like that. So I just want to make sure that part, it's all going to be done. You're right. It used to be, yeah, you had to go and then we could have done our review by waiting to get the comments back from, from uh, for the traffic control plans or other issues. All those items are going to be resolved. At this time, we are training. Our training should be done. Our staff should be fully complemented, and then we can do all that all in one one stop shop shop at DPS when you come for your right of way permits. And I'd like to just add something to that that you mentioned, Gary. Um, the street trees have their own separate permit, roadside tree permits, which the you know DPS doesn't make the laws, but DPS is charged with enforcing the laws, and so you have to have a street tree protection plan. And if you're going to be doing something that affects the roadside tree. That is a separate permit that was established by the county council that has to be obtained. And also, there's a separate process with the state on that as well. But um, it doesn't, that's different than, as Isan said, that is actually different than the traffic mitigation plans that you were just talking about. Well, that's the point because you got to. Yeah. And if they're all coordinated through DPS, that'd be big, big difference. And yeah. Most of that's for existing trees, the roadside tree permit, but even mm -hmm. on a new street that we're proposing street trees, the uh, yes. the county forester still reviews that with the new road independent of the other. And that's where you know our, our interest in that really is ensuring biodiversity so that we don't get, you know, a tree that gets subject to, you know, Dutch elm right. disease so and wipes out. All the, and all that's easy layers, enough to, to you, you got to. We, we don't have to be the we don't have to be part of that process. You know, we can work with DPS and say, right. all right, within yeah, these kind of that that doesn't need a position to, to transfer. Yeah, actually the DPS, when I was the director, we actually we hired two arborists on yeah. our staff to address these issues. Yeah. So I don't I'm assuming they're still there, but I don't know. So, so well, they're there and we work directly with DOT Brent Link later. So it's 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 all gonna be done in one shot. So as part of a new road construction, uh, absolutely, Gary, your street tree, your lighting, they're all going to be reviewed by DPS. And if there is any any need that anybody we need to chime in, we will coordinate that with uh, DOT. But all your plans will not go to DOT anymore. They're all going to come to DPS and you're going to get one, at one time when everything's re reviewed, you're going to get all your all, all the plans back. Okay, so I've got Amanda had a question for Tim, and I know I want to get Robert in here because had his hand up for a while. So let's go to Amanda then. Sure. I think it was just answered, but okay. Tim, maybe say it out loud so everybody hears. Yeah, no, it's all moving. <laughs> it, it can all be done by DPS, and, okay. and our guy will just focus on maintaining the inventory of the of the street trees and the right way, keep them healthy. But the county forester will still be part of the process. There's actually, I think there's two county foresters technically, depending on what part of the law. One sits in in, in MNCPPC, and then the other is the county arborist. And depending on what, oh, yeah, no, no, no. isn't there? I thought there. I mean, there's lots of foresters. Well, you, underneath the forest conservation law, there is there is a reference. I thought there was somebody who. I thought there's somebody in here who sits here who, for certain parts of, of forest conservation, is considered. Brett is not considered the county forest or for that part of the law. I thought there's a part of the law that someone here is is forest conservation is ours yeah. and and we do it here and we have plenty of arborists and foresters and all that, but we don't have the county arborists is in DEP. 
so my question is who who will be enforcing the roadside tree protection law under this new DPS structure? Yes, well, yes. who at DPS? Is there a uh, or land development? Land development. Land development. They 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 will be reviewing those plans. Land development. So it won't go through a forester anymore, or there is a forester with land development. Sorry, yes, we have an arborist. Yes. As Diane, two of them. Two arborists at DPS. Okay. All right, Robert. So great conversation. I think um, the and uh, the the discussion about what's going on, I think, is really the post approval process. If I get that right, yeah. I, I think when I read the the bullet on this, one of the comments that has repeatedly come up during development review through the um, and especially at DRC is that. When a subdivision comes in, you have DOT saying this is my purview to provide comments. And DPS says we'll wait till site plan um, to provide our comments. So if they come in together, it's fine because then you have more of a consolidated and a comprehensive review. But if you get a comment at subdivision and the site plan comes in a year later or six months later, you might get different comments at site plan. And so I interpreted this more um you know on the uh, on having a more comprehensive response uh to the comments or to the the application at hand uh, when it came through uh the development process right because you have two different agencies reviewing it dot reviews at subdivision dps right-of-way reviews at site plan but it's the same plan so that's that's the part that gets interesting well, and then further complicate things, you have to think people at Park and Planning that are reviewing bike paths and sidewalks yeah, and things like right. that. And then you've got State Highway, who's also looking at things. Right. So I think this goes into what, and I hate to open a words, but this goes into the lead agency <laughs> thing does. about who's reviewing mm -hmm. what so that it's understandable and easily understandable to the person submitting the plans. Well, aren't they also different levels of, of details on subdivision versus site plan plans? There can be, Diane, it depends on, you know, if they're um, submitted concurrently. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's, there could be a different level of review. Uh, I think clearly there, there tries to be, from the agencies, a, an attempt to get as much detail, you know, done at the subdivision stage so that it's teed up when you get into site plan. Yeah, no, I get that. That I mean, I get that, that, but, but usually, Robert, on, on the preliminary plans, you, you get a written document communication from DOT in regard to all the traffic issues, the road yeah. issues. And once you get to site plan, then yes, DPS is providing the comment. But there, if there is any uh, uh, there is any confusion between uh, DPS or DOT, we usually resolve it. They, they have a you know, line of communication with DOT to make sure, yeah, this is what you really want. But I, I just I'm 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 still not getting. I, I mean, if Kate can explain it. So when you coming on subdivision, I get it. You come preliminary. That's everything by by DOT. But at subdivision, we usually follow the same guideline, unless something has changed. And you know, usually it does. You go from preliminary. By the time you get to the site plan, there are a lot of stuff change. At that time. We are looking at the document that was from DOT and we are in discussion. Well, now they want to change that. Do you concur or not? So, of course, those things are going to happen. But from the standpoint of you're still going to get, you're still going to, at the DRC, D 
DPS and also DOT is there, you're going to get the comments in regard to, to, the, to, to the road design. But that's the point, Asan. We don't get comments from DOT at site for plan. its site plan. And presumably they're incorporating what's coming in, you know, what was previously recommended or, um, you know, by, by DOT at subdivision. But too often we hear mm -hmm. from DOT, site plan will comment on that. Or, okay. you know, we're not commenting necessarily on the site plan, even though I think they do weigh into it, uh, but um, they don't provide anything in, in writing at the site plan phase of it. And, you know, again, there's a presumption and maybe it's the messaging um, that that DPS kind of takes over the um, takes over the reins when it gets to site plan. But I think there's a, you know, kind of the fluidity of it as it as it goes through the process. Okay. So I think Tim. Maybe Tim and, and, and us need to talk on the side to just to make sure that there is no confusion or, or you know, causing any delays. If you need a response to get the response so that the, the process can go forward. I, I don't know that it's really causing delays. I think it's really more about who's representing, who's being represented there at the DRC. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, like I said, we, we're typically not, we don't get involved after that initial but you do in the post-approval through DPS contacting us and us getting back involved. But perhaps what we need to work on maybe Asan is a little bit, you know, we're kind of in this handed the baton off and, and maybe coming up with some improved processes internally to try and streamline that. Um, you know, that that's uh, maybe something we can work on uh, together. Yeah, I mean, because because if they're waiting for 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 uh, some kind of a communication either from DOT, from what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, we can resolve that absolutely to find out because like I'm saying, usually at that time, DPS should be providing those comments for DOT. But I also know when I go to DRC meeting, DOT is also represented. Sam is there from our side and Rebecca is there from DOT. So there still should be somebody's providing comments to the applicant at, that, at, at DRC. Kate, is it the uncertainty about the issue there, or is it timing that it stretches out the time? I don't think it necessarily stretches out the time. It's just who it would be helpful to know exactly for everybody who exactly is doing what, when. Okay. And for the most part, I think it's fairly worked out, but for some things, it's a little bit of a nebulous. So you have to go to sometimes different groups to ask, you know, questions or get clarification or whatever. So it just would be helpful to have a very clear understanding of who does what. Okay. When. I was wondering too, does this cause, because you hear a lot of times from developers, like they, they like some certainty and what's going to be expected. It doesn't cause an issue. It's, you know, you go through subdivision, you have all your transportation stuff handled there. And then site plan, suddenly there's something new, or do you not really run into that that often? That's a really good question. Sometimes. I feel like sometimes that happens. I can't come up with a specific, I'm trying to come up with a specific example. Yeah. Let me think about that. And, and, I'll... and to Hassan's point, or also Robert's point, the Rebecca, DOT, and, and Sam with DPS, they're reviewing plans at the preliminary plans at DRC. But DOT doesn't review a site plan because there I've written their letter as lead agency. Right. In there. Right. Um, but we do get sometimes we get 
and again, there's more detail on site plan, and sometimes there are conflicting comments from DPS, and you, you got to go work those out. So that's if they're minor, it's not a big deal. But if you got to go meet with DOT and DPS to work out a, a road comment, that takes time. So, so we're at 25 minutes permitting. Clearly, we need more time. I guess on on this issue, um, one thing, and I think this is probably true in Eastside, maybe you've done this, but I think it'll be uh, really helpful for what came up last time and what came up this time. If there are specific recommendations that are emerging or that you're contemplating, it would be helpful to prepare them so we can add them to our overall list. Sure. It sounds like there may yeah. need to be some additional awesome. conversation offline. Offline, Okay. So Tim, myself, Kate, and Gary, I guess look forward to have another meeting either this week or early next week, next week to discuss this. And just for a point of clarification here, this whole conversation very much is an element of lead agency. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, uh, Diane. So, so we've got two more items under permitting. I'm not sure how to allocate the time here. The next one is Evaluate stormwater management. I always think that's something else. Review slash infrastructure for more up-to-date infrastructure needs and capacity. I'm not sure I know exactly what that means. I hope someone else. I hope someone else does. Pam. So I think when I was um, creating the bullets, this one was in reference more to a specific project, and I think it was some of these issues that had occurred in the Kensington area. Um, but because it, it could be generalized. I, I wanted to keep it in a bullet, so I, I mean, I don't know how much time we spend on it, but I did make a suggestion. Didn't want to ignore it. There's a whole separate group that is working on these kind of issues, and and that development can six is just one example of many across the county where, as we're seeing the climate change is manifesting itself in this area through more frequent rain and and, and more intense storms. There's a whole it, it requires kind of a regional approach to address that. And there's there's a group that's working on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm on it for the county that can help. Right. I was just gonna ask Tim, could you just write up a sentence or two about that that we can then put yeah. in response yeah. to yeah. 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 That's a county, so that's a county group or that's a cross county. Yeah, I think are are you guys involved in that too? I don't think we're involved. I mean we know DEP is on it because DEP's got the lead on a DOT's on as part of our climate action plan. Um, and it, it it's it's very technical uh, maybe in terms of we'll have to follow up and see if maybe Khalid's on that. Um, but I mean yeah. we, we're aware of the issue. I think the relevance to development review is when we go through a uh, an application, we need to have a stormwater management approval letter for the subdivision to be able to move it ahead. And so that's why that's why I think it's uh, it does become a bigger issue, but I know that it's being at least addressed right now. That's it's also is a development standards issue, which is different than what this group is initially talking about. But as as you put in your as you're looking at these conversations, one of the challenges, and I'm noting this in particular as it relates to Kensington, where you've got these massive teardown rebuilds and you have stormwater management systems that were designed based on engineering standards for a certain type of a neighborhood. Once you start dramatically increasing impervious areas, you quickly overwhelm the um, stormwater management system. And I don't know if that's what um, well, what 
uh, is being discussed, but you yeah. definitely should be looking at that issue as part of it. So Robert and Tim, th this is this is the area by Knowles Avenue. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's the really the, the capa capacity of the existing storm drainage system. Right. So yeah, Tim is right. Uh, and I think they are the lead on that. As you know, there are a couple of projects came and there were concerns that with the additional amount of water, as, as Diane saying, now it's dumping to an existing system that's already undersized as it's not able to 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 capture the, the, the runoff. But again, Isan, to my point, this is also a zoning issue because when you're allowed to build basically into the drainage swales and to increase the impervious area by a, a significant amount, um, it really makes it a challenge as we all see with our communities. I, I, I don't view it as necessarily a zoning issue for development review. I mean, this is clearly an application review. I know that what they're talking about is a much broader issue, um, but I. It is a zoning law issue, Robert. It may not be a development review committee yeah. issue, okay. but it is absolutely a zoning and development standard issue. Sharice wanted to weigh in. I'm just going to throw my hat in the ring here with regards to forward thinking. Again, I think this group, even though we're focused on development review workflow process, right? There are other things that the county and the state can take from this work group, and I think that is a sidebar. We talked about just overall infrastructure that the county has and the money that they have available to upgrade and improve these things, not just for projects that are in the queue for development, but projects that are, you know, people are forward thinking about how to recreate and restructure our communities within the county. So I just want to note the importance of keeping that in whatever conversation y'all talk about. Meredith? Yes, I can provide a small statement about what this flooding work group is doing. They've hired these outside consultants. The long-term project is very complicated. They're mapping the whole county. And there will be down the road, but it's down the road, there's certain phases go on for two years. Recommendations that do these, you know, that, that deal with zoning type issues, i.e., should we change imperviousness caps? Uh, what do we do about the fact that the pipes aren't big enough? Um, so I can, that is something that we can reference. Yeah, I think it'll be important to have that in the report. So, yeah. so let's move on to the final permitting issue here. Implement and enforce lead agency role in conflicts of post approval. I'm thinking we move that to the lead agency yep. conversation. Yep. So let me just physically do this on my computer. Um, and so Isan, we'll be looking to you and your team to just kind of um, finalize or draft recommendations across all the permitting issues we talked about last time and this time uh, for our group that meets, sometimes it feels like daily, uh, as part of this process. But we're going to move to public involvement. Um, and so, as we noted before, this is where this generated the most number of comments. There were four summary comments that are summarized in the top line of this table. Um, and although I don't think it's explicit in the bullets themselves, we also know that this is 
a critical area to be ensuring that we're focused on racial equity and looking at things with a racial equity lens. So. Just an addendum on the um, flooding study. Yes, uh, planning is participating in that, and you're right, Robert, to lead. Thank you. Right. So, um, my instinct is to go through these one by one. Um, I don't know if each has a direct link and alignment around racial equity, and if if the conversation around uh, the importance of racial equity being incorporated into public involvement does not show up explicitly here, then I want to make sure that we do that as part of this process, part of this discussion. Um, I know Tiffany has joined us. Tiffany, I don't know if you want to. <laughs> Am I it? <laughs> you're, you're not it. <laughs> okay, good. Well, I, I know that one of the reasons that you came today is that you wanted to make sure uh, a, a racial equity conversation kind of got teed up in the right kind of ways around public involvement. So, well, I was. I don't, so I don't mean to put you on the spot. <laughs> but I'm on the spot. Well, I think. You want me to? Well, I mean, I, I don't. I was fascinated to to think about what you guys were thinking about when you meant put a racial equity lens into the community engagement process. Um, so I was. When I saw that, I was that was fascinating. I think what I have to say about this, and I think some other pieces, is really overarching more than it speaks to. I think the particular um, summary bullet. Summary bullets. I think that you know this process is complicated and opaque for for folks who work in government, who are informed, and who think they know a thing, right? And so for the everyday uh, citizen, a uh, person of color or not. This this can feel foreign, and so I think that there is a need to make this more uh, clear, right? To have people really be more familiar with the planning process, how it affects their lives, how they interact with their built community, and then how they can engage, right? And then having them understand or believe that the way that they engage actually is going to make a difference, right? I think that we have to be less passive in our and in the, in the way that we um, inform and then bring in communication. So I think the way we we put up notices and if you know where the notice is, then you can go get it. If you know where the space <laughs> is and if you know what the development review process is, you're like, OK, that's me. If you are somebody who does not know and understand this process, then you see that notice if you see that notice and you keep it moving because that's like that's not me. That's not for me. That's not. You know, who are they talking to? So I think that there's a need to to do that. And I think that there's a lot of ways we can do that. I mean, if, if the notice is even in your language, right? So we, we're in Wheaton, which is one of the most diverse areas in the county, right? So many languages spoken here. Um, but we know that most of the ways that we inform folks are in English, are in a particular place, do not necessarily um, speak to uh, what many of the residents, quite frankly, and business owners may know and and or understand. So um, I think that there's a a bigger lens, racial or not, um, needed when we are thinking about how we do community engagement. And so um, I think we ought to be open to revamping the whole thing. Um, 
I was talking to Ruth earlier, I guess it was last week, uh, about the planning academies in both Baltimore and Howard County. And those planning academies really are intended to reach out to communities to talk about what, how zoning is happening in their, in their local jurisdiction, what the planning review processes are, but also to interact with, with folks, not just, not just a one way um, education uh, for, uh, for communities. It really is to, for the, the planning department to, one, like I said, find out how people interact with their lived environment. Perhaps there are accessibility issues, language and otherwise, that we don't know of, that we are not intending, but that just happen to be that way, right? Um, and so that's a way, a good way for us to, to inform, to get information and to build trust, right? To say that we're just not here, you know, for however, however long that, that public hearing or that uh, process goes on, we would like to actually know like I said, how you interact, what you need from us, how we can um, build this in a way that you interact with this uh, in a way that is uh, fruitful. And then, you know, I think it's good for us to uh, to talk to people about what our intentions are and why we are why this development we think is is what's best or not best um, for community. And then, if it's not, we can can get uh, can get input and actually take that input and use that input um, in a way that makes it, uh, like I said, helpful for the community using or living in that space. So mine isn't really overarching and not, like I said, particular to those bullets. I don't know if it speaks to racial equity as much as it speaks to transparency and the way that we Big, very helpful comments. Sharice? Um, so I would like to take a stab at incorporating the East County presentation with the community engagement, having reviewed the comments in the public involvement section. They are pretty much just saying the same thing, like we're here too late, we're not engaged, we don't feel like when we make comments that they're relevant to the developers, the developers don't care about our community who is the liaison that cares about our community that's engaging with these developers who are changing the quality of life, whether they think it's good for us or not good for us. So if the group is open to that, I think a lot of what I incorporated utilizing East County as a representation of an underrepresented segment of the county would probably address many of these things, not just for East County, but for all sections of the the county in the same regard. I'm open to that for sure. Um, and I also have some additional comments based on observations and feedback that I've gotten from uh, particularly my community, downtown Bethesda, where development's going gangbusters and um, people really have a lot of comments about these particular the, the summary comments that you put in here. So I'm I'm so fine. That first. I thought you should start and then segueing into so that for sure. I, I would defer if there's comments on here specific, then I would say feed with that. I just wanted to share. Yeah, I just wanted to offer that up since we were kind of like a good idea. And and in, in this agenda, they come back to back, right? So it could be a just a continuing conversation and um, you adding some of the 
kind of details from what you've collected from these. I think that's a good way to do it because it might be a little bit more time efficient. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. All right. I'll tag on. To... No, well, yeah. I, I was actually saying going through here the, the same order. So right. why, don't, why don't we go with the order and then um, straight after that we go straight into East County. And if there are East County related issues in the four, bring them up in these four summary comments here. So Amanda, do you want to start on the first or Tom? Go ahead. Tom, then Amanda. No, Amanda. Okay. Um, well, first, I I'm really curious to hear more about these planning academies because I hadn't heard of that before. So I'd be interested okay. to learn more about those and the other locations. But um, I just wanted to focus on the first two, really, which was um, there's this sort of like chicken and egg scenario that gets set up. Um, because we have these pre-application community meetings that are held that the developers hold and community members attend and feel like they provide comments. And there's still this ongoing question slash skepticism as to how those comments actually get translated or transmitted to planning staff in the way that the person making the comment actually intended since planning staff is not attending those meetings. Um, and then that sort of flows into the next issue, which is comments being included in staff reports where, you know, sometimes people do get in on that sort of the first step when there's the community meeting and other times they hear about it after the community meeting when people start talking about it. And so the, so the next step to get in is when that staff report comes out because that puts everything in one place, it's very readable, whereas a lot of the plans are not, you know, you look on the DAIC and there's so many documents, but the staff report, you know, really puts it all in one place where people can understand. But then there's this issue of, well, wait a minute, there was no comments because people couldn't even comment on something they didn't have. They didn't have that staff report. So I just want to say planning job is, planning staff has done a better job recently. Um, I've noticed it of including comments on the agenda as attachments. And I think that's really helpful and and definitely keep doing that and telling the planning board there were community comments that are not necessarily reflected in the staff report, but you know, here's the attachment for them. That's really helpful. But then it gets back to this feeling that people have of they provided comments maybe initially but didn't know that they had to provide them again, and sometimes again, again, and again. So how, how do you capture those comments originally and carry them through accurately for that process? Just to clarify, Amanda, so the comments that are now getting incorporated in these planning board meetings as an attachment, is that comments from the initial pre-application meeting, or you're not even sure? Not, it's not. No, I mean, the attachments that appear are specifically written testimony that people provide to planning staff. It's not necessarily the more informal comments like that happen the during the pre-submittal meetings. It's my, it's my sense. So the concern here is kind of the disconnect of those initial comments and whether planning staff ever kind of hears them, integrates question. them, and then there's also a second issue, which is around community, just not an understanding like what happens with there and why do they have to come back and. Maybe more than once they have to come back. Just clarity and 
Right, there's a question of what happens to those initial comments. And I, I think so, it's not necessarily consistent. I think in some cases they are passed along and in others, maybe aren't accurate. So is, is there a way is there a way to is there a way to improve it like is there or that's I guess that's the core question is there a way to improve it so that there's not this question or skepticism out there as to whether comments were um, well I think to, to start off first when and I'll I'll let Gary and Kate weigh in on this as well but when the pre-application or when the, the, the community meeting is held um, People sign in, so people that come there, they sign in, and if they have specific comments, um, they're either written or they're verbalized. And it sounds to me like maybe the verbalized piece of it is maybe the the part that is uh, a little bit of a disconnect. Um, and how that's recorded, uh, I think part of that is within their statement of justification that's submitted afterwards, or it's in a written format. But in some cases, it may not be. I mean, if it's verbal and they're they make a change to the plan or not, then I think. Maybe that's the piece that requires a little bit more digging into. Uh, but we do get comments for every case, and, and we understand uh, who has who participated in a, one of these community meetings if they've signed in. Um, and in many cases, you know, staff will have conversations with those people um, throughout the review process. Um, so I'll I'll stop, and maybe you can both of you can weigh in as to. Um, Comments that come up during during a presentation, um, and and how that's relayed to the planning department. Because I, and before you answer, planning does not participate in these pre-community meetings. It's not our meeting. Um, this was something we initiated as a result of Clarksburg because we felt like what we heard was they want to hear from the the community wants to hear from the developer. They don't want to hear from planning at this stage. And in most cases, planning hasn't seen these plans. So for us to show up and participate, it looks like we're advocating one way or another, uh, and it really is not intended to be our meeting. But um, so, and I know that was a comment that came up uh, a couple times during during some of the correspondence. But um, and we can have a further discussion about that. But I think maybe just to respond to um, kind of the, that other piece of, of discussion. <laughs> Start. I, I'm going to go back to you because I know it was one of the comments. Is maybe just a story that gets told and whether the uh, applicant developer agrees to do something different or they're told to do something different by state, by the Tim, DOT, whoever. But I'm going to use it. We're not working on it, but I got to sit through the planning board hearing on it because we had an item after it. The Glenmont Forest uh, apartment building that's on George Avenue by the Metro. That came up, I think, in one of the discussions because the neighborhood behind that is concerned about traffic and they don't want any access off their neighborhood. I know and I don't know the story, but I'm going to use that as an example, but they ended up with limited or no uh, access off the Georgia Avenue. And part of that because the metro is right across the street because there's a uh, tunnel underneath the road. And also partly because it's state highway and state highway their regulations. But I think that's a good example of what was presented, and again, I don't know the details, but what was presented at the, the pre-submittal meeting, what went to DRC, and then what went to the planning board probably changed multiple times. And I know access and traffic with the neighbors was a big deal. 
And that's why I think that was one of those that took an hour or two hours in front of the planning board to talk about it. And then the planning board ended up basically approving the staff recommendation, but also weighted with the state highway regulations. And I know that was one of the comments that came up last month or one of the listening sessions that the couple of those neighbors came up because they're still not happy with what got approved. But I don't know what that story is. And I don't know if there's a way to tell the story because what's, because I know we do plans, we'll say this is what the developer or the applicant wants to do. But again, for ERC, okay, we can't do that because of planning. We can't do that with DOT, we can't do that in highway. So we address all those comments and the plans that were different. So, and that's, I think, part of your point is that things change and, and whether or not some of those comments were from the, um, the original meeting. And I know, you know, we've had a number of projects and folks with, oh, it's too dense, or we don't want that. We don't want apartments here, we want single families, or whatever the comment is. But a lot of that's either mandated by the master plan, so you have to disagree with. You know, the, there's some basic disagreements that people are assuming a certain thing. But I guess my point is, how do you come back and track all that? Because it does what's shown initially the one when you go DRT, D, DRC, and then before you even get to planning board, the plan keeps evolving. And I don't know, I don't know if that helps to say, okay, we showed an access point, DRC, state highway tolls, we can do that, so we can be around the neighborhood side. And you know, if that helps, I don't know if people are going to agree with the solution or the outcome, but I think that's part of your point is how to track what was commented on, how to what goes to get approved, whether it's agreed or disagreed or changed or whatever. That was that's a good example actually, because we did hear a lot of feedback during the public testimony about that particular project. And those neighbors are clearly feeling like something. Something went wrong. It, it got approved, and I don't agree with what got yeah. approved. And not, not everyone's going to agree with, right? I mean, this is very complicated. There's clearly, I mean, there's so much that has to go into these projects. Um, but, but people want to feel like at least, whether they're agreed with or not, at least their comments were addressed, I guess, um, and and passed along, you know passed along so that it could be so that planning staff can can look at them. So I'm so, looking at the specific comment and it says here people's comments should be collected and reflected in the report to the planning board. So if I'm understanding correctly, right now only written testimony gets attached in the planning board meeting, but the whatever comments you all may get, any developer may get, there's not a there's not a rule or an expectation about what they're going to do with that or how that's no, going to there be. is, there so, is. So they have to submit like an affidavit of they held this. These were the these were the comments that they that they heard at the meeting. Um, so they do have to submit that as part of the plan that gets to the reviewer and the reviewer sees it and then, you know. Works with it, but if you want comments to get in front of the board, that needs to be submitted as part of planning process. So but I think I it's, it might just be a well, part of it is the education, telling people okay. when they go to the pre-submittal hearing, your comments may or may not actually make it in front of the board. If you want to be in front of the board, you are going to have to appear at the hearing or provide written testimony 
for the board. We are just the applicant. We are listening to you. We will say we have this meeting, but community, public, you're going to have to right. and make sure your comments get put in front of the board. Real quick. So, and to add on to your comments, Steve, so any written correspondence that comes in, we do attach to the staff report so that people know what has come in and we try to respond as to how it has been addressed. It may not be completely resolved because sometimes sometimes the comments, you know, are it's too dense and you know, you can say, OK, well, if the here's the master plan, this is what it called out for. Here's the zoning, you know, here's what the vision was and how it fits in, you know, with that vision. So you may not completely agree with the comment, we, but we do address it in the staff report and that gets presented to the board in that fashion. Um, if we get a phone call, um, and sometimes our phone calls are anonymous, sometimes they're not. Uh, we do try to capture that as well. And I know, you know, most staff are pretty good about that, at least capturing that. I got a phone call. We had a conversation with a resident about X, Y, and Z, and here's how we have responded to that. I, but I also think to Amanda's point here, you know, there are two opportunities for an applicant to resubmit. And those resubmittals will change things. So comment may have come in early on and the applicant has responded to that and then something else has come up and there's another submittal that might have changed it so you really do have to be able to track it and i think that's where the agencies are the most helpful in trying to navigate and guide the community members uh, to at least help them and assist them with kind of what's changed or what hasn't changed and this is what's going to move ahead and i also think making sure uh community public has enough time between when a staff report is posted and when it goes to the board to be able to actually read it to talk about it if it's you know something that's particularly impactful and provide comments because sometimes that's a really tight turnaround so it's a 10 so days 10 days it's but, a 10 day legal requirement um but for some of these big big projects that you know you might be have wanting to have you know, neighborhood communication on. But there's there are ways like, I hear you on that, Amanda, for sure. But at the same time, like we're trying to keep things moving. Sure, sure. So there are ways to get involved earlier. You can sit in and listen to the DRC meeting, you know, and yes, that might give you a really good sense of what's going on. And and that's you know something that we're hoping with the new idea of hey, you want to sign up for this this generalized list will send out basically an email with the link to the DRC or whatever, and you guys can look and see those or something that I want to attend. Yeah, I think that's going to be. I mean, huge. that's great. I think that'll help. Everything helps a little. It doesn't solve the bigger problem, but it is such a balance to give everybody enough time to look at things, to to make sure everybody is aware, but also to keep the project moving because you know if if now if it's not a ten day notice period and it's longer. Now we're not streamlining anymore, and and that's that is a balance. And, I do and, think the noticing will that yeah. will help a lot. And we that case that Gary's talking about came in for site plan yesterday, and we actually had a member from the community sit in on the DRC and talk to us afterwards. Um, so we had good conversations with them to kind of continue the the dialogue from where it started. The one thing that for sure I'm hearing is the educational component of just helping citizens and residents understanding better about what to expect all along the way and when they can be involved 
and what happens with what they what they submit. I guess what I'm still not clear on is in terms of comments, whether written or verbal, that come in pre-application meetings. Does that does that all get passed on to planning? Or does it's it a note taking requirement? So when you actually submit uh, your package to Parkin Planning, as part of that package, you have to, to your point, sign an affidavit that you had the meeting, but also submit the notes from the meeting. And we try to be as transparent as possible with those notes. Sometimes, it's, you know, there's a lot of things that are discussed in these meetings, so sometimes you're better than others. But at the end of the day, at those meetings, I always give people my contact information. And when they call me, if it's an issue that's an agency issue, I'm always like, well, here is your reviewer. Please contact them and talk to them as well. Um, and I, you know, in general, we try to be as transparent, at least we do, try to be as transparent as possible because change is hard for people. You know, and this is, these are the changes we're talking about are pretty significant changes. And there are certain things that the residents can impact and there are certain things that they can't. And so I'm going to try to be as upfront and as honest as possible. And if they, you know, would like to talk to some, an agency that has a comment or that can help them better than I can, then I would just pass them along to the, the person that can help them. That, that's a really important point. I'm going to get to both of you, but the, the whole clarity around what you can influence and what you can, right? Um, it, sometimes that's hard news to swallow for people, but at least they're clear up front, right? I try to be as honest as possible with people. And yeah. you know, we're going to agree to dis we're going to disagree, but and I'm, that's just an unfortunate part of the process, but at least we're being honest about it. Up front. Absolutely. Sharice, then Meredith. This is going to speak to quality of life. I think what Gary was saying, you know, with, because some of these comments are like, you need to, the community wants to be more involved right from the beginning, but being involved right from the beginning can change from the beginning to where the point of beginning really begins <laughs> in the process. So I think what most citizens are concerned with is how whatever development is happening is going to change the course of their quality of life. So if the developers speak to that story, more so than exactly the structure that's going up or how pretty it's going to be or you know then that is an opportunity that's outside of the site plan and all of those things because those are more engineering logistics that have to be worked out more so than like the one lady in here talking about the lane change at old georgetown road that's i mean i don't know i don't know when that beginning started that this road needed to be changed. But what I'm seeing in these comments is that they just want to be aware that this is going to take place and understand how it's going to impact them based on what the intention of the development is. So that I think can help. And if we're talking about the process and the speed of things, maybe the hearings have a component that speaks to that part more so than the more, you know, intricate engineering yeah. of the development. When you say quality of life, give me three or four things. Oh. Yeah, we're not even just kind of nouns or adjectives that describe that in your community. Um, you all think about quality of life. Okay, yeah, cool. Say it again. Yeah, she said schools, traffic, you know, access to whatever, like if I used to take my kids to the park this way and now I can't get to the park because there's a big development, I have to walk through safety. That's a big quality of life thing. We put a bunch of bike shares in the right of ways and people don't feel safe riding bikes in the neighborhood. That's counterproductive. I think also that developers, if you want them to create in a community in a way that is constructive to the culture, of that community, they need to understand that community, right? So 
if, if the community feels like they haven't done that part, then there's a lack of appreciation. There is a lack of sustainability that can happen on the backside of that development. You've seen a lot of projects go up with great intentions and then they fail because the community doesn't support what's there. You know, same thing, you could look at leases, you know, a department store moves in thinking, oh, it's gonna be great for this community because, you know, whatever they are looking at, maybe some demographics, maybe they didn't do their homework, I don't know. Or maybe the quality of, of the community has changed from one instance to the other. But I think what we're looking at is, yes, the speed of things, but also the sustainability of things. Uh, well, Sharice brings up some very good points. Um, there's sort of the two aspects of it. How easy is it to participate? And then, you know, what brings you in quality of life, which I agree that that is the reason. But how easy is it to participate? It's not easy at all. Not easy at all. The question is, what kinds of tools or information can be given to the public outside of the particular project, because you know you don't want to spend a long time educating about one project. You need to educate people about all the different processes that happen at planning. You know, not the particular one particular project. Because um, I went through this as a citizen. I was working. I was home with the kids, and I started attending these things. I, you know, but I learned a few things. One, the developer is an advocate. They are not just providing, you know, they're honest. Not you know, everybody's honest and they're providing accurate information. But they're, you know, understandably, you have a right to develop property. They're advocating for the development of property the way they're, so. People need to understand the roles of the parties. Planning is the place where you can go and, you know, talk about all your concerns or what you do you don't understand. Um, and I think having a role planning, educating all about how the process works. Then in terms of quality of life, run into a problem with adequate public facilities. And this is not this is the developer is not responsible for you know how overcrowded the schools are and all this. They're responsible for their one project, but where there's situations that people are already very unhappy and then there's a new development coming in that could possibly exacerbate the project, they're not responsible for that. And I think um, looking at growth policy and those policies to help people in terms of, of quality of life. But the first thing is the education. And and also to be Sorry, first thing is to education and to be welcoming. I mean, I mean, I can tell you stories. Um, I advocated this resident, and it was not welcoming. <laughs> Planning was great, but um, because you know I didn't, but I didn't always know what I was doing. 
you know, I've made all kinds of mistakes and this is something I had wrong assumptions about how things worked and all these people are experts on it. They're fine. Yeah. So it has to be welcoming and, you know, maybe there should be an ombudsman or maybe there should, this is, we'll talk about it with the People's Council. But I don't know if that's the place, but there needs to be somewhere where people can, you know, just get information early on. And you. So Tom and then yeah, Robert. Yeah, Robert yeah. Please. Uh, just to try to deal with some of the bullets and based on a lot of the comments, but I think, um, you know, I did talk to Robert and, and uh, some developers, uh, you know, in, in regard to some of these issues and with Christina about whether the developer should do the this free application. And I think I understand better why it, it actually serves a particular purpose to have developer do it. I think one of the issues, so I get why that is, and that's the next bullet there. Um, or one of the bullets, but anyway, okay. but I think that the thing that's missing is from all these the community comments that we got, Amanda kind of, and, and Therese kind of talked about some of those, is, you know, the, the people want to be sure about, you know, their comments being carried on. And I think, you know, some developers are going to be very efficient and organized and get not just the written comments to, to you all, but also the other comments. Um, some others may not be quite as efficient or effective than that. Um, and I think that for constituents, it's just going to be, um, you know, if, if there's, I, I'm not sure how you deal with that difference in, in, in effectiveness, but uh, I think for constituents, just to have something that's really formal that they understand at those developer meetings that, you know, we're recording your comments, we're going to report them to planning, uh, and then for you guys just to, to make sure that, that that all of your reviewers are recording all those comments and what was done about them. And I think one of the things that, that I understand better right now about the developer process is, uh, you know, you have the pre-application pre hearing and then for some developers, you're going back to people and making changes based on what the comments were because it's going to work better and have some reaction from the community. You want to avoid the problem. So, so the plan changes. I do think having this experience that something, some second opportunity and letting people know up front, like at that pre-application hearing, here are the here are the times you can weigh in on this process. You know, today, and if it's written, that's good. Or after, you can weigh in with planning, reviewers, um, and then you know you can weigh in again after the planning after the. Uh, uh, the documents done, and then you know if there's another opportunity to weigh in, just so people know up front and get that notice, like at not just at the pre-application hearing, but then also for you guys on the It's you know the website. There's a, a ton of information, and it's just if there's a way to somehow make it stand out, when are those points? And, and it might be helpful to address a lot of these issues about about the. Comments that were first, uh, and also on the uh, parking lot that you know changed over time because of SHA. I mean, I think just when uh, for some of these comments, 
I think, as as you said, Kate, it's like, you know, this can't be changed because there's this state law that says X uh, and, and, and those kinds of things. But if that's acknowledged in the development, and I know a lot of it is, but just to make sure that all of those are, are, are responded to, I think it's going to address a lot of those points. Um, so. no, I was just going to speak to the educational piece of it, and I think, you know, planning does a really good job, and I know uh, permitting has been doing some outreach as well in terms of educating people on their process, and we've participated in some of those um, training sessions. Um, you know, I, again, I think we do a really good job of trying to promote what we what we can do and what, how we can assist through a process. It is a little daunting, I, and, and I'll agree that from a, a homeowner's perspective, to be able to navigate that. Um, so we try to be as interactive and, um, you know, and proactive as possible, you know, at the very beginning. I, I can tell you, because I participate in many of them, we go out to community meetings on a very regular basis to educate the community. Some of that is because they're contacting us. Um, and we go to a variety of groups and variety of meetings regarding the plan. Sometimes it's not, sometimes it's just getting on their monthly calendar to update them on things coming in. Um, but, you know, from an educational and an outreach and engagement perspective, uh, I, I do think the agencies as a whole, but specifically planning, we do a really good job of trying to promote what's going on for awareness and for engagement within that process. And if there's specific recommendations that we can do better, um, well, you know, we try to entertain just about everything um, to see what we can do to make it better. Because we want to, we want to make sure people follow the process, that they follow what's going on, uh, and if they can engage early rather than at the tail end, it definitely is easier for everyone, uh, and I think more efficient and productive. With me reminded me of this because so I used to work in Baltimore City, and they would have. It's obviously it's Baltimore City, very different from Montgomery <laughs> County, but most of the city is under neighborhood groups and HOAs. So we did like a sort of rotation of going to mm -hmm. each just to make sure you hit them all. But I do <laughs> want to flag that one thing that's tough, though, is, you know, you want to schedule these meetings to educate people. Right. But the people we're trying to educate are the people who aren't interested and don't care and don't know about it because you don't want to send planning staff out to a meeting where two people show up. Even though that's the community who doesn't know anything about it. So just flagging that piece of you can have all the meetings you want and you want people to be there, but it's going to be the one the people we're trying to reach are the people least likely to attend in the first place. Right. So my thought was going to be if you could record some of them. So then when a project pops up, if the person wants to watch it, they can just go online and be like, here's a quick video on the development review process. How you do that quickly, I don't know given how many of these <laughs> meetings we've had. But just to quick. quick. <laughs> yeah. I, I will say when you when you have an application to Howard County, they do have a YouTube process. Yeah. So then people can sort of on demand go watch it. Like I, <laughs> I just want to add to uh, that thought was and this is a challenge for Amanda and Cherise and, and the public in general. We have these outreach meetings, there's a sign up sheet. And inevitably half the people don't sign up. We ask for their emails, we do follow-ups. Most of the people like I get too many emails or I don't want to be bothered. Okay, that's fair. But then ironically, those are the people that come out and say they weren't contacted. So there's a challenge there, and again, it's just come back to communication. 
uh, getting involved, and obviously people that don't care aren't going to come out anyways, but there, there's that's a challenge on the other side, too. It was just a quick observation. I actually mentioned it to Christina. So one thing could be we've been talking. Uh, I don't know if you heard this um, Tiffany, earlier discussion about having people self sign up to get um, email blasts about all the DRC meetings. So if you self sign up for plannings, like tell me what's going on, you're going to get on a regular basis what the DRC meetings schedule is so that if you want to attend virtually and hear the people who are reviewing the application have a conversation about it, you can do that. But one thing might be, well, I know they don't want to give you their email to give, get information from you guys, but maybe there is a requirement that you provide that email sign up for them to get the DRC information. It's a slightly different, it's still like emails they may not want to receive, but if they're being told, you have an opportunity to provide your email to the planning department so that when this application gets reviewed by DEP, DOT, DPS, planning staff, developer, you know, you can be part of that and you'll get an email on a regular basis telling you when these things are coming forward. Because you, you at that point of that pre-app meeting won't know when that date is. You don't yet. You haven't actually submitted your application. So it's just another way, like, you're, it's not an email from you guys necessarily that you are telling them they can give an email to get regular information from planning on every application. I think that I think all of that is true. I think all of that is true. I think that we should consider doing our work differently. Maybe those meetings are not the way to do it because they're not coming to me. Maybe we should go with people, right? Maybe if people, what people do every day, how they do every day, that's where we should be. Not we should have a meeting and they should come. So that's like, I just think we have to invert our thinking about this if we want to engage people who are not engaged. And I'm not just talking about planning, but in general. So I think that's a good point. That, and I think that that's what we do for master planning, you know, and, and that's we're going out to community festivals and things like that. That's where you're able to do that for development review. You're not able to do that. You have a very strict like timeline. Sometimes I've had I have had developers who have like attended the fall festival and, and things like that. That's great, but that's part of their own, you know, process but to actually like the things that they have to hit in order to submit they have to they have to have a meeting so that it is available to whoever wants to attend we have to have drc you know and that's a specific thing that's here so there are there since it's developed developer reviews different than community engagement and that's that's where it gets a little interesting and that's why i think I think it's a great. I love the idea of thinking of more ways we can, you know, like we we talked about redoing the signs so that so that maybe they're more approachable to the public and and having this this list and and things like that. The, those things are, um, I think, will hopefully help. And I'm very interested in any other ideas for how you know how we can do better about noticing within the time constraints that we have for development review, but it's like a very legal notice requirement. Community engagement that we do for planning and for, for all of our great projects, that's, that is where we have the ability to, to really like think outside the box and go out to the festivals and, and do things like that. But I mean, we have 
thousands of plans coming through. They have to all meet the timeline and they can't. So they have to they have to all check the box that they did all these public things. And we so we can't be like, OK, well, you have to go to a festival first or you have to, you know, whatever it is. It has to be something that could fit within that realm for development. So I've got Delegate Foley and then Meredith, and I'm just going to alert us. We are now at the hour of a 10 minute break. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so uh, over 25 go ahead. I just want to put an exclamation point on what Tiffany said. She and I were exchanging glances because uh, I, I think, you know, it's really hard because this is a very complicated process, as you all know, and there are a lot of legal requirements and there's a lot coming through the pipeline and the staff and bureaucracy we have is only so big so much. But I do think that there needs to be less of a one size fits all and more kind of looking at projects from the get go and saying, OK, is this an underserved community? Do we have to do something different here? Is this a community where a majority or a great proportion of them are not English speakers? Do we need to do something different here? Now, I know that's difficult, but um, I think, you know, if we're going to build trust, we have and that's really what we're talking about, right, is building trust in the process and in the projects that are approved. Uh, if we're going to do that, um, we really have to, I think, reach out in a different way. Because I think sometimes, and I come at this totally from a, somebody who's not involved in this process at all, but does live in the community, is, you know, their conversations, and this is not news to you all, their conversations that are going on in the community that you don't hear, that you don't know about. And those can come back and really, I mean, that's when you get surprised, right? That's what you don't want. You don't want a big group of people coming and saying, oh, we oppose this or we, you know, we have problems with this. So you need to try to plug into those conversations, those community, you know, what's going on in that community as early as possible. I don't have a really great solution except to say, I think sometimes you may have to take, we may need to take some projects and say, this deserves some sort of special outreach, depending on where it is and who the people in the community are. And I know that's difficult, but, you know, it might pay off um, in some cases, so. Meredith and then Cherise. I'd like to echo the delegates' comments. That's exactly correct. Christina, um, uh, I respect what you said about master plans, but there was also a huge brouhaha about Bride Montgomery, which was the master plan of all master plans, <laughs> the general plan, and lack of uh, meaningful outreach in the BIPOC communities and the consultant report when the county council hired a consultant, um, they said outreach hadn't been adequate and that people had not understood and they had all kinds of examples of ways to um, build trust and actually find out what people think that they recommended to be done. Talking about the trust issue, reasonable to rely on Joe Smith who's going to serve for one year in the middle of his job and you know taking a fifth around and all he's gonna automatically know to send in the new information. There has to be a method by which you can do that because trust starts with identifying leaders in the community you can talk to who know how to bring people you know into the process. And um, 
that's very important, but it, it's done step by step. The other thing is, um, and I'm probably out of date on this, but in the staff report, staff report, in my opinion, should attach as an exhibit the report from the developer as to the meeting and what, what you know, so that people can see here's, you know, we did get it, the board can read it because it's attached as an exhibit. And also any public comment so that you know, you know, we, you know, the board was always copied on all public comment and you do get it, but some of it comes in very late, of course, but to the extent you have some, it should be attached to the that way, you get much more transparent. So I guess the. But if I understand that, that is that is a practice that is now happening, right? It's that's been a practice for quite some time. Actually, even probably when you were on the board, I think it's been a practice because we have a section called community outreach, and we attach correspondence that comes in. We attach any, uh, and if it's not a correspondence that came in, you know, written or electronically, then it's one. Uh, you know, that we'll call out as we receive the phone call. And this is how it was either addressed or resolved. Um, so we, I mean, we do that already. Um, and we have been doing that for quite some time. Uh, you know, in, in response to, um, you know, reaching out to different groups, I think we would need to understand what they're talking about. You know, what, what exactly are you talking about in terms of a suggestion or recommendation? Know, having a staff person having a system for, by which you review, you know, the civic association's notices. Like if you haven't gotten a change in five years or whatever, three years, then staff member goes, calls and tries to identify or emails yeah. that person to update that. Well, in some cases we do that. We have longstanding meetings with different community groups, you know, countywide, but it is up to the, it is the responsibility of the HOA or civic to let us know that leadership changed um, and that they need to update their system. I mean, that's I, I don't know how because um, there are so many civics and so many HOAs that we do have a system to where they should be reaching out to us. We'll change it automatically if we can and we know who it is. Um, but to reach out to someone that stepped down five years ago, uh, I, I don't know that that um, that hasn't been our practice. But and then I also want to address, you know, we're not talking about Thrive today. Uh, we and so I know that she likes to bring that up, but I feel like that's an approved document that we have. Um, you know, the council has approved it, and we are using that as the the basis for our staff reports, for the work that we do, for our master plans, and we bring that up on each kind of in almost in each application that goes to the board. This is how it's how it's compliant. So. That Mai was just talking about outreach and the problems that Thrive had with that. Uh, do you attach as an affidavit or the affidavit from the developer to the staff report? No. 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 That's so part of the application. The board doesn't see what happened, anything about the pre-application no. meeting. So well, I think that's an issue because uh, there needs to be some way to show the public that somehow, you know, it wasn't just going through the motions and then it's all posted on DAIC. Right. Like when you submit this part of your application, like it's on, it's on, it's it's public information. So it's just not part of the staff report. Okay. 
I think what happens with you know, sometimes is you get staff reports written and then comments come in. So the staff, the comments aren't actually in the staff report, but they're yeah. on the attachments. That's how I see it when I yeah, look at the agenda. It's both ways. Yeah. Even the well. So if it comes in before the staff reports posted, right. it'll be incorporated in the thing, and then afterwards yes. it gets attached right. by the. And a lot come in after because that's sure. when people have had the opportunity to actually read the project all in one place. But that's so. also where like the agency letters are. And yes, stuff. they're all in those attachments. All right, so I'm going to call a break and when we come back. What I'd like to do so, so I think. There's a few comments that I'd like to make at the opening, and then I want to um, turn it to Sharice, whatever comments you have, but also to talk us through your document, because I think a lot of the stuff that we've talked about here are very relevant for Sharice and, and her colleagues in East County, just so we make sure that um, if there are, if there's kind of a breakthrough that we can make here around recommendations, we want to make sure that we can get there. So let's take a 10 minute break and let's make it a real 10 minute break. So around eight minutes, I'm going to be calling people back. Hopefully we'll be back in our seats in 10 minutes. I've got 11, 11, so 11, 21. We're going to start again. I'm setting time.
Um, so there's just a couple of things before I hand it off to Sharice that I'd just like to offer here. So first is just a reminder that in the first page of the letter in, of intent, uh, the first bullet on the first page says, you know, we're wanting the best and most efficient process while neither minimizing public participation, racial equity and social justice, nor compromising on safety, transportation, etc. So I, I, I think this is important, especially in today's conversations, just to remember. Um, a second thing I just wanted to share really quickly. Um, when I first had a conversation with Delegate Lopez about possibly submitting a proposal for this, it's like, you know, I want to get myself up to speed on development review before I even decide to write anything. And one of the things that I found was this handbook from Maritas, California, and it's it's a fairly lengthy document, but it's written for residents, right? So it um, and it it's done in a pretty user friendly way. I mean, you still have to have some sophistication, I think, but something like this for people who are willing to dig into it, and I think most residents probably are not, can get people grounded, right? And I think uh, was it Meredith or someone else that was saying there's also a good video uh, which you know people are more likely to spend three or four minutes on a video online than you know spending 25 minutes reading through something like this but just kind of offer it as an idea here uh, down the road if that's something to consider um, a third thing I'll I'll say is we do have something on the website do, that is that's like that how to get involved in the step-by-step -step process and where all different things are I mean I don't have the pretty pictures they have on there so I could always update that. Yeah, so again, I, I haven't dug around to see where kind of where everything is, but I think one of one of the issues is. And it kind of speaks to it right here. It's like. The the typical resident doesn't know where to find stuff, right? So what what are the easiest ways to help them find stuff? Um, a third thing I would just say, so, you know. Um, I was actually involved in the first planning academy for Howard County Department of Planning and Zoning. Yeah, and so <laughs> it's like well, we should do a planning academy. Well, what does that really mean and how will we do it in five weeks or six weeks? And so we did it with 25 or 30 people from around the county and it went very well. Uh, it obviously wasn't all on development review, it was on more broadly planning. And they've since done it, even interrupted by COVID, you know, 10 or 11 times since then. And even that 10 or 11 times only touches 250 people who really get it, right? And there's still the thousands that don't. So, you know, I think part of the challenge is like, what are the different ways that people can access at a level that they're ready for? Someone's ready for five training sessions over six weeks or whatever. <laughs> Cool. Someone's willing to read a long handbook. Cool. Someone's ready to watch a four-minute video. Cool. But it's it's just kind of thinking, kind of beyond what's what's typically done. So, uh, and I know Prince George's County, my county, is uh, getting ready to roll out a citizens uh, planning academy. So, anyway, um, that's just kind of a background. The other thing I'll I'll just say before I turn it over to Sharice is so. Um, my team was involved in the Thrive Consultant Report back in June, July, August, September. Was it last year? It was. Time flies. Um, and so, you know, obviously it was positioned to comment on 
um, the public input, public participation in Thrive, but we also try to write certain sections of it, of it, how it could be relevant to whatever county agency or whatever county planning process. And I realize development review, review is kind of its own beast, but I do think there are some really important elements in there about, especially, you know, and this is this is stuff that I see all the time in my work. Um, there's a profound lack of trust in so many communities, not exclusively BIPOC, but most frequently BIPOC, where they've just had so many things done to them over the decades or longer, right? That it takes a very long time uh, to build trust, to be willing to participate in a process, but it does start with simple things like Tiffany was saying of, you show up where they are, right? Um, and I will also say, as someone who's a member of an HOA, but doesn't always agree with my HOA leadership, that um, that's a limited way of getting into a community, right? Because, uh, for example, my HOA came out against a townhouse community adjacent to my neighborhood. It's like, I don't know, I still don't really understand the opposition, but they came out with the official position of the board. It's like, well, no one asked me about right. that, right? So I think we have to be careful about what does it mean to really be participating with HOAs and civic associations, and do they really represent the neighborhoods where they, you know, presumably come from? So I say all that to tee up Cherise, uh, who has, uh, I think, some really interesting perspectives around some of these things in East County. So I I can probably figure out how to make this full screen, but I'm not sure. There are hard copies, so yep. people here in the room want to follow along with the hard copy or just reference it, you're more than welcome to. Yeah, there's I um, have a different way of going through presentations, especially when you have the document in front of you. So I'm going to actually lead with the recommendation um, that I'd like to propose, you know, seeing an outcome from this work group and then work backwards with um, the importance of that. But before I give the recommendation, I'm going to just share a personal testimony. So I'm here as the Up County Community Representative. And when the notification went out that they were looking for community representatives, my community, as I've known it all the years that I've lived in my area, was not represented. It was up county, down county, and mid county. Okay. So if I wasn't informed, if my husband didn't say, I think they expressly left East County out, you know, like on purpose. Um, but then I went and I looked at the map for planning and I said, okay, I see why the letter is written the way it's written because East County is not identified on the map. But for all intensive purposes, as a citizen who has given testimony to council, given testimony to board, very engaged in all things community, you know, in Montgomery County, never knew that East County was not represented in planning because even though I'm a realtor, I'm not a developer and I haven't had to be in that world with it. Um, and in all the conversation we had this morning about public involvement, I'm again sharing someone who's educated and informed. I did not feel included or like I was supposed to be a part of this because my section of the county was not represented. Okay, so that's a real life story of somebody that's in the room with you. So my recommendation um, would be to include East County on the um, planning map 
um, and ensure the inclusivity of the work that's needed and being proposed for that sector's development. Um, I did talk to Robert about it and shared it. Um, I look at this as being an administrative edit. I don't look at this as recommending that the workload or any of that needs to shift. I wish Patrick was here because that's his, you know, section or whatever. Um, but what I'm sharing is very informative for everybody in this group with regards to some of the community um, forward facing um, resources that are available that homeowners that may be looking at development for their um, own private property would likely go to and look at and see the correlation here to what I'm going to introduce as the regional service areas. So in this um, in this document, I have a picture of the planning map, which you can see um, is up county, mid county, down county. And then on the side of it, I know Robert said we're not talking about Thrive, but I did use it also just kind of as a, you know, a foundation because out of the key recommendations in Thrive, one of them is prioritize racial equity and economic competitiveness throughout the county and especially in East County. Okay, so you're identifying it as East County in the county's new planning guide, and it's not representative on the map. So anyone who's living in that area, they, you know, again, if you're trying to educate and inform them about why this is important to them, don't see it expressly represented. On the next page, I also included the service region areas map. Um, and I want to just read really quickly the mission statement of they're called the regional directors. Um, and Jeru Bande is our regional director in East County. Um, I did ask him, I said, I don't know if all the regional directors function like you do. He was very um, engaged when I was doing things with the um, for the county school systems. When we needed to have public engagement meetings on a large scale, I worked very closely with Giroud to coordinate those meetings in different places. So to Tiffany's point, kind of going where the people are um, in the time that we need them to share their comments with us before the county budgets are approved. And we want to have school improvements and we need operating budget things. All these things that do come back to development in some regard, but he was very integral in that. And all of the regional service directors, like this is a part of their job to engage the community in this way. Um, so I just want to read the mission statement here because you will need bifocals uh, to see how small this, this print is. But it says the mission of the regional services centers is to represent the county in their respective regions by providing effective timely liaison between the county and its residents and businesses and by working with individuals, community groups, regional citizens, advisory boards, and other public agencies to provide information, identify and assess regional problems and issues, and recommend and or implement solutions. So by nature of what that agency, not an agency, I don't think they should be on this lead thing or whatever, but by nature of their work, they already are kind of in a space to support the developers, to support planning, and to support the county in doing this public involvement, you know, public engagement work that we're talking about. And I think would um, be very open to taking into account the timelines and seeing how that can, you know, be factored in. 
Um, on the next page, I just shared an example of what the of county services area, how it's represented in county um, resources. It doesn't up county here on this map does not include what is technically East County. So there's a disconnect there. And then you can see this is a, um, a request for development proposals that's for that came through East County Regional Services Centers. So, I mean, basically the whole document is just giving you information to kind of see the other maps that are available that are being utilized outside of planning that do represent East County, that do represent certain council districts. So when you come into an issue of a community that's opposed to development, who do they go to? They go to their county council members and complain. They go, you know, they go to the county executive office straight to the top. They're not generally coming to planning first unless they know that maybe I can be, you know, right? <laughs> so, um, so I think taking into account the opportunity to show based on the maps that people know, their council districts. If you look at the map to the left, East County is represented in District 5 and part of District 7. If you look at the map in the middle, that's the Board of Education's redistricting that was done in 2021. This was proposed, it was a big deal. Um, and finally, the one at the bottom is what was used for elections last year to the bottom right. So I would propose that this mapping um, could help planning to determine what an, an easy administrative edit could look like to ensure that East County is physically represented on the map based on maps that already exist and define East County. Um, the other thing is a resource, this GIS on the next page. I, I put it out as a little homework assignment because I thought it would be fun if you guys tried it out, but I don't know if anybody um, did the link. But this is like all the map, different map resources, and there's one tool on there that's called About My Address. So if you click to the next one or you look at the next page, this is a sample of what About My Address form looks like. And you start, you put your address, so the, the white block kind of represents me playing around with it. Um, you put your address in and this is how the information comes up. The first thing that's on the block that tells me about my address is my regional service center. It's directing me directly to Eastern Montgomery where this contact information goes to that regional service center. So if I want additional information and generally that's what we do when people in the community need guidance on anything, whether it's healthcare, whether it's schools, whether it's, you know, planning stuff, they we don't typically send them to planning. We like go to your regional because they have people that are working there that are supposed to support and be able to guide and direct. So we talk about underutilized resources in the county. A lot of times it's because the agencies are not connecting in the way that they need to to really support the county. There was a recommendation here in public involvement. I think here it says consider requiring pre-application community meetings being organized by the planning department. And what I'm suggesting is that your regional services representative could probably help to support some of that work in the very early stages because they're aware of the plans for development. They're aware of 
who's proposing the plans. A lot of times they can either support or not support those people who are coming in with plans because they understand the needs of their community because they are always engaged in that way, supporting the needs of their community. And they will create the opportunities to ensure, whether it's through churches, whether it's through, you know, the supermarket, <laughs> you know, they figure out and they know how to get to their community. They know the languages, you know, so when notifications go out, they make sure that they're accessible in all those different languages. I also just wanted to point out on that about my address. So it says Regional Services Center, and then it has the section for planning, right? And under the section for planning, it doesn't specify the sector of the map. It, it specifies your master plan area, okay? Mm -hmm. And, which is fine, you know, but I'm just saying, Sandy Spring Ashton, for all intents and purposes, when you think about how a citizen recognizes their area, I'll just, this is a, this doesn't have nothing to do with development, but it has everything to do with ensuring your community has consistent information and that they're educated about where am I represented? Like, how do I even fit into this, right? So in my area, I have 20905 zip code, right? My master plan area is Sandy Spring Ashton. My postal office is, what, Colesville? Across Randolph Road, there was a big thing about, you know, can this be Colesville or can this be Ashton? The school board educate the board of education, you know, is my kid going to go to Sherwood? Is my kid going to go to Blake? Like all those are big and they impact development. They impact how a developer can come in and feel like they're going to get a return on their investment based on what they decide to invest in the community. So as a county, if we want to start in a very small place, being consistent with how things are represented so that people can plan effectively, and that's all people, the developers, the planning department, the WSSC, you know, whoever it is, I just think that this is a small step that we could take. Um, I just put on here the 2050 outcomes of Thrive, just in case you haven't read that, because I think this speaks to everything that we've talked about with regards to public involvement. And I think that, you know, even though this um, forum is intended to support speeding up or improving the, you know, the review process, I do believe that some of these underlying issues also help to make the process not as smooth as it possibly can be from a community um, involvement perspective and also from the developers um, point of view. So again, I don't like to just read everything that's on the paper. I know it's very small, <laughs> but I did take time to put this together for, for you all. Um, and I did outline um, on this last page and also on the first page the excerpts from the letter of intent from Delegate Lopez to reinforce why I think this recommendation is relevant to the work of this group. And, uh, you know, all of these bullets really, Montgomery County, you, you started out with it, Steve, you know, you read it. And then the second one, Montgomery County has the assets to be the best in the region for economic development and improving the development review process will help to ensure better economic development for all. 
for all has to be represented for them to feel like they're for all. That's it. I want to thank you for that presentation. That's extremely well put. Robert. And I, first, thank you, Sharice. This was great. I know it's a follow up to a discussion that we had, and, I, and it's been one that you've brought up a number of times. Um, and um, we do appreciate it. And, and we understand that East County historically has not been represented like it should. And I think we've been planning, and I think county and, and um, agencies as well, as well have made strides to try and recognize that. And um, not only through master plans, but we're seeing new development coming into, you know, the White Oak area, uh, even Burtonsville. Um, and I think that's a it's a great move, uh, you know, as we have the discussion. Um, I also I, I know it's easy to put a line on a map that says East County. I think there needs to be a lot of discussion as to where East County really is. Uh, and I, you, you started with this because I can ask someone in Tacoma and they're going to say they're in East County because uh, we hear that quite often. Um, I hear people in only say they're East County or they're North County. So I, I, what I would like to maybe recommend um, because and equate this to something that was done by the county and many different agencies is when the discussion about kind of the white white Flint area, which now is called the Pike District, was a major rebranding effort that involved the Regional Services Center, MCEDC, planning, the chamber uh, within those areas, and they decided kind of as a larger group what the boundaries would be um, and how to rebrand that. So it wasn't South Rockville, it wasn't you know East Potomac, it wasn't North. Bethesda, it became a, a, its own district. And it really was more of a rebranding and a marketing issue um, so that we could start identifying kind of that area. I think the same would have to be for East County. I think there needs to be a more of a defined boundary, whether it's the ones that you brought up or you just match it up with the East County Regional Services Center. Um, I, I, I just think that there needs to be more um, discussion about where those boundaries would be. I don't know that we have an objection to it. I think it's just it. I think there's more involvement that needs to happen with it um, that this work group. I don't think really should be deciding on what the boundary of that of East County is. Um, and lastly, you know, I, I know that Sharice and I have had a discussion about. The staffing resources that not only we have, but the county has about, um, you know, redefining and I use that, that term in a very broad way, redefining East County. Um, I mean, right now we're, we have three geographic areas uh, that are represented, Down County, Mid County, Up County. Um, and there, you know, there were reasons why they were chosen that, you know, that geographic area. They started out with areas one, two, and three, then they changed the colors, then they changed to different names, and then they became what we have today. Um, right now, we don't have the resources for a new team. Um, but if that were to be the case, then I think that's a bigger discussion to have. Um, and again, I don't think we have any, we don't have any opposition to rebranding East County, uh, but I think there's more involvement that needs to happen. Uh, and I think this is a good start to the discussion. My response to that would be that East County doesn't need to be rebranded because it's already defined. It's just not defined on your map. 
It's defined on region services map. It's defined on board of education map. It's defined on all the other maps, which is why I put them in here. So what it looks like is that the planning map is outdated compared to the other maps because of the reasons you said that, you know, the areas were defined the way they were for whatever, you know, the reasons were. But as we're moving forward today and ensuring that we're meeting the goals of Thrive, where it expressly defines East County, I think most people who were a part of the conversations that led to these maps being defined as they are, including the directors who are in charge of these regions would not feel not say that it's not defined, it's just not represented on the planning. That's, I just wanted to share. Um, first of all, thank you, Sharice. This was an outstanding presentation and um, it makes so much sense in so many ways. And you've gotten, gotten the wheels turning and me thinking, looking at these maps and putting them all in one place like this is, is very effective. And it really makes you start to think like, why are these boundaries the way they are? And I'm looking more closely at it and even wondering why the Beltway defines Up County now. I'm like, I don't think anybody who lives right there would say they live in Up County, you know, that that's not what they associate with. Um, and so I really appreciate you starting this discussion. And I, I do hope this goes somewhere because I think you're making some was very valid points and it's very thought provoking. Christina, then Meredith. Meredith was first. Go ahead, Meredith. Oh, sorry. It's hard for me to see folks yeah, down high into the table. Yeah. Lead forward. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, excellent. Eye opening in a lot of ways. But I think, you know, I understand what Robert's saying, but our recommendations are general recommendations specific on some of the internal things that we have a lot of control over. But I think that we should, this group should recommend that these counties separate plan area boundaries and be defined um, consistent with other counties um, definitions of so to synchronize all the, as you were saying, synchronize so Planning is consistent. And it's a great point that it has been identified in five, section five again, but this is a positive state. Positive um, yet, this has been one of the focuses when we're talking about racial equity and social justice and what we want to happen. You know, the growth map was changed in order to emphasize the need for development of the East County. This is one of the big, really big one of So um, I think we just should make systems of that. But but you know we're not gonna sit here and do it. Right. No. But we recommend that it be done. I was just gonna say that um and I completely understand what you're talking about, Sharice, because if you got that, you'd be like, I don't live in Up County. Why, why am I? <laughs> this doesn't apply to me. Um, 
I think that's probably one of the only times that up county, down county, mid county was actually used in a public facing way. Um, we, it's just kind of an internal, like I don't even think of ourselves in that way. I still go by the old area one, two, and three in my head. I, I mean, we've had random names. It's just the way that we've kind of divvied things up. When we go out to the public, we're usually talking to them about their planning area, right? So like for, for you, it would be like Sandy Spring, right? So then, then you probably would recognize that a little bit more. And I wonder if, if one of the easier fixes just to begin with is to make sure that our, the way that we define things on our website and, and things that people, you know, from the public are looking at to see where they fall, that it's much clearer that this includes these, these, these planning areas, these these master plans, these communities, you know, just to be a little bit clearer on that end, because I we do hear all the time different people like you were just saying, Amanda, like, well, I'm not in up county, you know, I'm I'm right by the beltway, um, or you know, folks thinking like, well, why am I in this area and whatnot? Um, they they tend to be just more like internal words we're using, but since they are, they have they have they are sometimes public facing, I think it's a good point. And I think easiest first step is just to make sure that we're we're really making it clear. Where am I being represented? Who do I need to talk to? You know, who who is who's got my interest in mind, you know, in planning. And so I think we should look at our website to make sure that that's really clear. How does it work internally? It's how it, the work is divvied up. It's not yet. So, yeah. So, what I'm saying is, what is the usefulness <laughs> if if Up County includes Potomac and only? What is the usefulness internally to in your internet? You see what I'm saying it's for for your group? Can I jump in? I I don't know if you can see my hand, Steve. Oh, I can. Okay, so I've had my hand up. Um, first of all, I think this was a great example and a great presentation and for some of us who have been around forever and ever and ever i think some of this terminology is vestiges of things that used to be and that time has changed and i think it's worth noting while it won't be changed today or maybe in this work group it is a parking lot item for to be handled outside because the down county areas were considered to be the areas where density was to be focused East County and Up County, there were areas, and these some of this goes all the way back to decisions, zoning decisions that were championed by Marilyn Preissner, um, in terms of how to restrict development. Um, Roger Lewis had done a great, great, he's got some great presentations on um, planning mistakes, planning decisions, which at the time seemed um, well-made, but in the long run ended up leading to divided communities, and um, it's just very, very interesting, and I do think it's worth having a look at it. East County includes areas that are rural cluster, you know, up county, you know, it's just, and I think also to Amanda's point, some of this, and Sherry's to your your point, which again, this was a really um, powerful punch on the presentation on it, is that when you're looking at this, how do you know what's going to affect you in a project? Because you really need to understand a little bit more specifically about what the nuances of your community are and whether it's a planning area, um, whether it is a planning number area, 
whatever it is, um, it should be made more contemporary. These are old terms from old approaches to planning that really had a lot to do with decisions relating to where density would be. Thank you, Tim. Oops. Tim, Tom, and then Robert. So I, I, had, I heard two things. One, um, I, I heard what you were saying about the workload, and perhaps that opens up a whole other future discussion about are you adequately resourced? But to me, you could have even the same resources and just update the map as a as a starting point so that people know this development is in this this region and, and I, I should keep my antenna up. I think that's one thing. Um, the second thing that was, I thought was interesting, and I don't know how it is incorporated today, is the voice of the regional service center director and what they're supposed to be doing to advocate on behalf of the community that they're representing. I thought that was a really important part of what you said. I didn't want that to get lost because I don't know how regional service center directors are incorporated into the planning process today. I can answer that, but Tom was not. Oh, go, go ahead, Robert. I actually does question that I was going to ask. It's written right here, yeah, very yeah. microscopically. <laughs> the additional functions speak <laughs> yeah. really clearly to it. I was just going to say, I, I think a, a short term Christina's suggestion about like short term to change, like identifying like smaller region, like Sandy Spring and et cetera, is, is, is a good idea. And then, I mean, uh, changing your uh, your areas could involve staffing additions or changes. And certainly that's going to be something that county council is going to have to be involved in. Uh, but I think, you know, certainly th this is it, it is. Great presentation, by the way. Great, and I know all five, and I actually meet with these five uh, directors on a regular basis, and uh, they are all very, very engaged with their communities. And it's 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 a useful uh, outreach to maybe build on a bit, um, you know, in the short term, while you think about what the how to change the the boundaries. As, as Cherise was saying, so so the community can, can identify themselves in it. But there is a good recognition, it seems, in a lot of areas, but regional uh, service areas where uh, Giroux is very, very active, but so are the other four very involved in the community. And, and that might be a way to help get word out on some of these things where, where people feel less connected. And then, you know, uh, some more medium term thinking about how to change the boundaries so that the community sort of sees themselves in it. I was just going to respond that uh, you know our our teams are extremely active with the regional services directors and I drew is probably the biggest and I use this term cheerleader for the county for that part of the county and we work with them on a very regular basis. Um, you know when as a as a preface and this kind of goes to what Diane was saying when these were created years ago, these boundary areas, the reason that they were created was you, down county was simple. It had three of the four um, central business districts it had Friendship Heights, Silver Spring and Bethesda. And the boundary for for that area was very easy with the Beltway. Mid county was called the emerging corridors area. 
So it was kind of outside the Beltway and included part, parts of Wheaton. Uh, it included all the way up to Gaithersburg as you go up the pike. And so it, it kind of was this, this uh, amorphous little area going up beyond down county. And then up county was just really the rest of the county. Uh, it was, I can't say it was that simple, but mid county was more definitive, I think, in terms of where the boundaries were set. And the reason that it was important was at the time it was workload, it was staffing, it was some of it was zoning. So a lot of the up county includes the ag reserve, it includes our rustic roads, it includes areas that are pretty that weren't as pertinent to the mid county area that we felt like the up county could could deal with a little bit more. Um, and again, I, I, I think what's coming out of this is we've said we can definitely reevaluate that. I just don't know that drawing a line on a map today is the best answer without having more information, more interaction with the different communities here and the different um, regional services directors. And, you know, thank goodness, I think at least for down county, mid county, those you, you had a you had regional services centers like Wheaton uh, had a good presence, I think, in this area for, for representing portions of mid county. Mid County and Up County are split on the east east side, um, so it's kind of at the dividing line is really Tech Road, uh, and so you had and again a lot of that had to do with development coming in at the time, um, or not coming in at the time, and, and how we disperse some of our workload. But um, you know the the Regional Services Director for Down County and Mid County are split as you look at Bethesda and White Flint, um, so it didn't line up as as seamlessly as I think we'd like. And then Down County, I mean. Up County um, Regional Services Center was really, it was the Ag Reserve, it was um, uh, Germantown and Damascus, and I think points, points east. Um, so again, I think a big part of the discussion here is how we recognize East County uh, in, in, in a much more productive way. And, and I, I would just add, you know, in, if this has implications that go well beyond planning, right? I mean, it's just great exactly. coordination in general exactly. across many agencies about um, East County and kind of where where it fits and sits, right? Amanda. Um, I think you've opened up a fantastic rabbit hole here. <laughs> this is this is good. So just to tag on to the regional services center issue. So they are they are a fantastic resource. I've had that the same experience, but also there's some limited bandwidth there because it's usually just one or two people and they are covering often vast amount of geography and population. So, I mean, okay, so the BCC regional is Bethesda, Chevy Chase, Friendship Heights, Glad Echo, North Bethesda, Potomac, Rockville, Twinbrook. I mean, that's a huge swath to cover. And oftentimes the regional services centers are having to step in and fill a gap where there's they're filling a gap of a role of local government where local government doesn't exist, right? So they're having to fill that in with limited, limited bandwidth with and resources. So I, I think it's important to look at look at that map too. And what's what's needed. We have we have grown tremendously since these uh have been established, you know, to have 1.1 million people. 500 square miles and and have the map look like this it's it's worth having a look at both both planning and regional services because regional right that word like what what does that mean 
people in the community? How do they associate themselves with their regional services center? So thank you for bringing that up too. Just um, say my, my last um, comment about it is that as Christina, you brought this, you made this come to mind when you said, based on my address, one could assume that my master plan area is Sandy Spring, right? But that's not completely true from a citizen's perspective. So I think our role as community representatives is to help you all from an external point of view, understand the dynamics of how what you do internally impacts us and how what you choose to define based on your internal operations, it implicitly excludes the people in the community that you're trying to bring to the table. So Fairland um, Briggs Cheney Master Plan is something that I'm very involved in because everything that goes on in that corridor affects me. When a developer is building housing in that area, whether or not my neighbors can afford to stay in the community or take advantage of that housing is important to me. Whether East County, um, East Montgomery County, what am I trying to say? Montgomery College, you know, campus is coming there. The programming that goes into that university, it affects me, right, as a citizen. So I just want to, you know, put a cap on it. That I understand to, to Robert's point, there's more people that you know need to be a part of the conversation. So that's not my intent is to push a decision today. But I just want from my role as a community person, help you understand. And and I have a, you know, the developers, right? Kate will say when they're looking at what's White Oak Science Gateway, perfect example. Developer, huge community engagement, everybody was involved. But it didn't make sense financially for that developer to do what he was intending to do ultimately for whatever limitations to that county. So what they're bringing to the table, this is a perfect example of what you said earlier. Oh, the community was engaged in the beginning and then it all went away, right? And now it's like, oh, there's a new developer. So I just want to, you know, leave you all with that uh, comment. Thank you. Just to perhaps close this part of the conversation. I mean, I think because I, I see this in Prince George's County too. I mean, part of this is about from what I'm I'm hearing is county residents don't necessarily feel visible or seen, right? And, and overlooked. And and that's not just planning, but it has lot lots of implications for planning, right? And and the examples you just gave, lots of implications for development review. If such and such happens a mile from my house, am I going to be able to stay? We're dealing with this all along the Purple Line corridor, right? So, um, and the, the impacts are not just a half a mile or a mile in a lot of cases. So, uh, another reason why involving the public is so important. So, um, we are at 12.04. We have 26 minutes. Um, I don't know if so. So we've heard your recommendation, and at the same time, I think we acknowledge that that kind of change is not going to happen in this time frame. So we need to, I think, figure out what's the right language for the recommendation. And I think there were other some other things that were actually uh, mentioned here as potential recommendations that I think our smaller group can take a look at. But is there any specific recommendation that perhaps has not been articulated here around? public involvement that we just want to make sure 
stays in the mix here for consideration. Have 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 I missed any of kind of the the language merits? Uh, Tiffany and I were speaking at the break and we said that we would work on some recommendations to send in, you know, right you now soon. Soon. So to this group. To this group. Yeah, to this group. Related, right. related to the conversation about public involvement. Right. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. If you could get that to us this week, as you know, we're we're in the process of trying to compile all the stuff that's coming out of today. Um, or by Monday. Yeah. About yesterday. Yesterday would be even better. <laughs> Um, so, so I'm I'm kind of at a decision point here. I'm reticent to start a new category. Um, I do want to. What's that? We have 25 minutes, and I at least wanted to share briefly around um, defining consensus. So maybe I can do that in the final five minutes, and you guys can chew on it in between meetings, if that sounds okay. I'll I'll read it off at the end of the meeting. I'll make sure that everyone has a copy of it. You can chew on it. You can send feedback to me by email on any tweaks or changes you would make. And if that's OK, then we can go into lead agency for 20 minutes. Yes. Yes. <laughs> OK. Do I have a second on that? I'm kidding. <laughs> All right, so lead agency. Um, and we actually added something that came from public involvement, so I'm just going to make sure it ends up on the top of this list. So there's six items here. I don't know if there's a particular order in which you should tackle them. Why don't why don't why doesn't everybody take a look? That's awfully small up there. Um, and is there something? I won't say easy because nothing in this group is easy. Uh, but is there something that makes sense to kind of tackle first in this conversation? I just start at the top of the list. Shoulders. I'll start. The list I think is easy because we already talked about intake, so I don't think we need to talk about it again. Here. Okay. Oh. Good point. Yeah, wait. I would like to add something. Um, I didn't always know whether we'd actually issue or what the recommendations are. We can go back and do that. It's particularly for intake. Um, the only things that I understood that was told to us is that planning is in the process of redoing their checklist for intake. But we had a lot of comment uh, developers, mainly uh, from developers, I guess, that the intake process takes too long. And, you know, it was an education for me. I had no idea that turn in something in 10 days, but then, whoops, you get returned, and then you have to return in something else in 10 days. And that it can run as long as, you know, seven weeks, four months, something of the the record and the proposals that are in the 
I think Lord Shirley proposed this, that this take the 10 days, that approach would be that the applicant only has to have, he has to, they have to have everything list on the checklist, everything that's required, but it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be you know, ready to go as if or uh, talking about the details of the project. And um, I think, you know, looking at that, because so, so one it's of things, too long. One of the things I would suggest, is, so we spent a lot of time on intake, what I would say is if there's, if you go back to the notes, see specific parts of the conversation that we had that rise to the level of a recommendation. Let's add it to that list that we're going to be compiling and sharing on the on the 27th. Right, but I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about going back to intake again because exactly. we spent a lot of time. I say that we've had a lot of minutes on it. There are good notes on it. And I know that the conversation came up about putting a time frame on it. And I think that the group landed on not other than the, the way that it's currently drafted because they are in the process of working on the checklist and in addition working on the substantiveness of that review. Um, and I think that we will continue to not get moving forward if we go back to it. Well, so the two, so let me the just two put in my objection then. The county executive, county executive object was because we haven't ever seen, you know. It's not about, so excuse me, either the actual, I did see the actual chest checklist online, but we've never actually talked about it. And we haven't seen your proposal for revision. So, um, and given that this was another area of which there was great concern, I just take exception to that. And, and so we may not. May so, not but what, I guess what I'm asking here, we spent a lot of time on it. If there's a specific recommendation or enhancement to a recommendation, I would ask that whoever wants to be involved in that, go back and look at it, propose something. But We've spent we spent probably 45 minutes on it at a previous meeting and then we moved on. We're already digging into time allotted for um, lead agency and I want to make sure we can get at some of the other issues. So. I understand that you that, that you have still have concerns. I'm wondering if you can draft some uh, some kind of recommendation that can address that. That's not going to take up the time of the whole group. Okay, sure. OK. What I don't want the recommendation to rehash everything we've already discussed, and that's the thing. We had two recommendations coming out of the last one. It was that it was just saying that we are creating a simplified applicant checklist. If you don't want to include that as a work group or applicant, you know, recommendation, that's fine. I'll remove it. The other one was that the planning department will provide a training on intake for applicants. We'll record it. We'll put it on our own website. Those were the two recommendations that came out of this work group. I don't think we should go back and rehash everything. I think that you had your opportunity then to say you were here. It's not like you weren't. So I think that we need to move on. We can't keep rehashing everything. Yeah, so that's what I'm suggesting. If there's a if there's either a change to that language or there's an additional recommendation, um, bring it to our small planning team. We can add it to the list and the whole group will take a look at it on the 27th. My only my only concern with where this is going, because we've now had that Meredith and Tiffany are going to bring recommendations forward. Now you're telling Meredith she can bring her own recommendation forward. Basically, the draft list we already have is that we go back over all the notes in the current discussion and come out with what the group has talked about and landed on as the recommendation as we've had these discussions. So it feels odd to me to now say that any individual working group member 
can just put forward a recommendation. Well, I'm not sure that there's been agreement on all these recommendations, and that, there's and not. I think that if Meredith has has something that she wants to say that she feels hasn't been addressed, it I think addressed. I think that's appropriate, and she. But, but it has. We've had this conversation, and that's the point. We have. There's been no vote on anything, though. I, and I'm sorry. I I'm going to invoke the rules of this group about the respectful engagement there there has been no vote on anything so to sort of try to move us forward so i i understand your concern pam what i what i'm going to ask for for at least the two um instances where people are going to send something i'm going to ask you to look back at the notes of the conversation both from kimberly and the rawer notes that i took that that would reflect of um, are reflective of the conversation we had and how to kind of boil that down to a recommendation as opposed to um, things that we haven't talked about. I think and the idea was that we were going to bring those recommendations back to the whole group when we make Correct. decisions and so they could be right. an opportunity to on the 27 amendments and yep. changes adjustments. But, or vote up, and, and ultimately a vote up or down. But to be clear, the recommendations that we put together were the ones that we had already solidified on. They weren't, it's not like I'm just pulling recommendations from thin air. This was what the work group had already decided. So there was well, no you decision. Decided. There was what no do you mean? decision. Like when you say decided, like were there votes or were there not votes? Like what, when you say decided, what does that mean? There, there were not votes. On and okay. I think there was a vote on one thing that was around state law. Okay. Okay. That's so everybody was in agreement, nodding their heads, and we moved on. Yeah, so but that's, that's what, not was that, that what we're saying is a decision. We're to talk about consent. Yeah, do you want to? Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's where we are, man. Thank you so much because I think that's where we are. So, so I guess the first thing I would say is that this has been an uncertain part of this group all along, right? And, and I think part of that um, uh, lands on me. Uh, there was no definition of consensus in the letter of intent, so it was kind of open to interpretation. And for the longest time, it just took us, um, it took us a long time just to get to talking about specific testimony, right? So we really, this is just the third meeting. And as you can see, we're still not even halfway through the list. So it's been a messy process. Um, so right now, in terms of the things that our smaller group has collected, is we've gone, you know, Christina and others, myself included, have taken as good a notes as we can and tried to understand where it seemed like there was agreement, basic agreement in the room, right? Not, not consensus, no votes taken, et cetera, but just trying to, so that, so that when we go to the 27th, with which we've, pointed at as the day that we're going to be looking at recommendations, yes or no, right? We might have a list of 23 of them, and it could be that only 12 of them kind of reach consensus. But we're trying to make sure that what we capture here seems to be capturing where the group seem to land on certain things to the best of our discernment, right? Imperfect as it might be. So that's my caveat, right? I can share very briefly here what we've talked about briefly around consensus. Let me blow this up a little bit. So, you know, there's there's lots of definitions of consensus out there. The purest is everyone has to agree. 
which in this context seems virtually impossible, <laughs> right? There's another there's another uh, version which is um, everyone agrees, and if they don't agree, they're willing to go along with it as long as their disagreement is noted. That's also can be a high bar, right? So here, here's what we've said. We will seek to get full agreement on every recommendation compiled as is possible. We know that there will likely be one or a small number who may not agree with specific recommendations, and we will note the organizations which did not agree in the final report. For any recommendation to make the report as agreed upon, we propose that it is it has reached the threshold of a supermajority, which we're defining as 67% support. Um, after each vote, if there there will not be continued discussion on a recommendation. So if it hits 64%, we're not going to sit around the table trying to convince one more person to hit 69%, right? Um, and then each member of the working group will have one uh, will have a vote on each recommendation as long as they attend the September 27 meeting, either uh, in person or virtually. So this is our own unique definition of consensus to try and get um, fairly significant support for a fairly significant number of recommendations that can move forward either to the state or to various parts of the county. So. Um, we can open it up for discussion now. We may run out of time. Uh, and if you have further feedback, I'm happy to receive it by email tomorrow and Friday. So how how does that sit with you? You all may have been involved with different consensus or shared agreement processes in the past. I've tried to draw on the different ways that I've done it and 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 tried to kind of customize it. I think we all have around just the, the nature of this group. Sharice. Works for this group and also pair it with noting who was not in agreement just so that it's on record and maybe if there's that gets noted. So whoever's reviewing this has an understanding that most of the people agreed, but these people didn't, and this is why, then they can kind of formulate their own. Okay. Helpful comment. Thank you. Meredith. Um, I don't want to belabor this. Not agree on how we stopped from bringing out any other kind of recommendation because supposedly not agreement on that. Don't agree on that. And my understanding, for example, first of all, this is in the discussion. It says improved intake. So you know, I was waiting until we got to this bullet. Secondly. The recommendation, this, the recommendation that I suggested, is in the it's in the record. It's in the it's in the statements and letters that were sent by the public. I I didn't just come up with this idea on my own. So it's something everybody else has read and knows about. So a lot of things on the fly and great job. I mean, I've done a very process but you know, so, so here's what these are imperfect documents yeah so. absolutely are. Here, here's what i would say Meredith. um what i don't want to have happen is i start getting emails from 22 different members right. with 44 different ideas about what should be a recommendation 
So I, I'm, I'm, I'm willing uh, in the two examples noted because it's 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 grounded in the conversations that we've already had and uh, and happy to receive that. Take a look at it. We'll, we'll we can add it internally. We can vet it on the 27th, but I'm you know, it's going to be hard enough to come to agreement on just a fairly small set of things that I don't want a laundry list of people's kind of. Um, th different issues on different perspectives. I really want it to be grounded as much as possible on the conversations we've had over the last three months. Delegate and then Tim. Thanks. So just to be clear for us, Leslie, myself. So uh, is this going to go like in this order more or less? So like you're going to seek full agreement on recommendations. If there's agreement, you're just going to move on. I mean, some things are simple, right? Not many, but some you're just going to move on. You're not going to take a vote on everything. You're going to take a vote on the ones where there's disagreement. Am I correct on that? I mean, I, again, we haven't talked exactly how we're going to do it, and it's a little more challenging virtually. Right. Um, but I imagine we will take some kind of vote really quickly just to make sure that on every recommendation. Yeah. Okay. And it, you know, right. okay. again, okay. I'm hoping it's not 36 recommendations. I'm hoping it's 20 or so, and that we right. can get through it. Right. But yeah, I think we have to, given this, I think we have to take a vote. And and the ones that that it's kind of a no brainer, hopefully they'll go really quickly. Quick. Yeah. Tim. So my concern is being the nerdy engineer, the math, 67% and we've got what, 21, 22 people. So a third would be seven. We've got four people globally. None of us have ever seen what do we mean by 67% support? I mean, so maybe isn't, that's hidden there. Isn't that the bottom oh, line? Maybe hidden in that last line. I don't know. Hide that thing. Oh, okay, there, there we go. go. Oh, so, the, so the vote is happening on the 27th. They have to show up either in person or virtually. And I think uh, the list, the current list that we have of working group members, the three uh, non WSSC utilities are more advisory and resources to the group rather than voting members. So I think the total number is 18 or 19. But yes, the, so the number would be six. But I would say in general, most of those 18 have shown up on a regular basis. Not not every single one. But, I, I you know, again, I don't know how we discern. Oh, well, you will only at two meetings so you don't vote. I'm not sure we want to get to that, but I'm I'm hoping we can have kind of a open process in the at the people who show up ready to vote are the people who've kind of really been around the table for much of this process so far. Steve, I'm sorry, but is are there any constituency? By that I mean any agency or any county office or anyone who uh, of the four has not been represented at all. Because if there are people who didn't show up, like for example, there are two people from the county executive's office, but if there are two people that didn't show up and therefore they represent the same group, and one of them has shown up and one hasn't, um, are there any of the four? Well, I would point out, you know, a lot of, we're gonna make recommendations about state highway administration. I think that's probably the one thing we can all agree on. <laughs> <laughs> but nobody from State Highway has ever been here. Well, <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, and also in the, del in the, the delegation. Well, you know, I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, that's for us, right? I assume, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, part you know, part of this is a messy process. So good that we're having this conversation now. 
just wanting to make sure that so that was a really good point. So yes, in, in this case, you know, ideally we have the 18 most active members in the room on the 27th and therefore um, 67% if we're rounding, right? Uh, would be six people, would be 12 people voting yes, right? Some recommendations are going to just have to be a recommendation for future discussion or future study into some of these issues. Are those going to be like official recommendations or are we only looking at sort of like concrete legislative, whether it's uh, state or county legislative recommendations and then put the recommendations for hopefully future short term addressing of issues. I think yeah. it's this. Yeah, so I mean, what I would say is that everything that's not related to the state, which is main charge of the group, but what needed to be done with a lot more detail to provide to the delegate. I mean, that, that framework that's been supposed to be looking at. And then what happened was the process of getting public testimony, holding listening sessions, getting correspondence. We've uncovered a lot of other things that people think could be a benefit to the development review process. I see those as high level kind of quote recommendations with language that would be evaluate, consider, discuss, you know, um, further um, you know, investigate things that are in action, but not one that the group is saying today, this is what has to happen. I would like to see there be a little bit more maybe detail or commitment to those because I've just in the past, I've seen it happen over and over again with reports. Those that kind of language just ends up sort of getting lost down the line unless there's like a very sort of concrete action. For, and maybe maybe some of it that's OK to have it be just sort of a general recommendation. Maybe, yeah, recommendation by recommendation that basis. That need a little bit more like yeah. some, some of it. I think it'll be, easy, it'll be easier to propose some kind of action. Others, I think, will remain broad. I guess not to stray off the consensus piece, but to me, all of this is just boiling down to like, what's the report? So I had envisioned we would vote on each of those recommendations because that's the only way whoever ends up drafting this thing is going to know what to even put into it. Okay. Um, so that's why I was thinking, yes, we would vote on each one. And then it's just going to come down to our like editing of the report, how much detail is going to be provided. I agree with that. And we would record the, the, the items that in the report that didn't get 67%. So, you know, whoever reads the report can see what well, what else was on the table and maybe there's something else to do with that. Diane? Sorry, I, I was just, I agree. I, I agree that it would be voting by line item and then you know what the items you have consensus on and the items that you do not. Okay. Tim. I'm Tim. Uh, um, or you can be timid. Yeah. Um, I guess I kind of have a logistics question. We're we're talking about talking. We're talking about talking about the recommendations and voting, and it feels like we're moving towards consensus, right? Um, on the 27th, how do we actually foresee that going and working given our timing. I mean, that's another three hour meeting like this one. If there are 20 recommendations in that, that's nine minutes of recommendation with no breaks. Um, and be voting out in the hallway as we grab. Yeah, and like any, any anything that foments yeah, kind I, of discussion, which I mean, it could be. It, so so one proposal is 
we could reinstitute the four hour meeting it would give us a little bit more time. I know, you know, people probably don't want to do that. I mean, presumably what we vote on on the 27th will only be things we've discussed. So if we on September 20th, that's the cutoff for public testimony. Whatever we don't get to, we'll note in the report. The first was, yeah, so the public testimony. Oh, for, for, deliver, Sorry, for, for deliberation of this group. Sorry. Yeah. The 20th will be the last time that we talk about the public testimony, and we'll put in the report, here are the categories that like this work group just couldn't get to because of time. So I think probably all of the 27th will just be voting on each one. But again, it should only be recommendations that have been discussed. So there shouldn't be, we're not going to need 25 minutes on each recommendation hopefully because again that's why i like the once we vote we're not discussing right. it anymore right. one one caveat so so um what i would say is we can send out a preliminary list based on today's meeting and previous meetings before the 20th so you can see it and then we can add to that list on the 20th and we see how that list grows so that you have a heads up on what we see as things that seem to be as have been solidified that will come up to a vote on the 27th, but you can already begin thinking about it. So delegate and then Karen. Yeah, just really quickly. So I've been communicating with Delegate Lopez. Okay. Um, so a couple of things. One, uh, to think about, not discuss today, but to think about, and she asked me to put a pin in, is whether this work group should continue. So that's something to think about, whether this work group should continue. Um, the second thing um, that I do want to bring up is uh, Delegate Lopez or I in her stead will not be voting, right? So I just want to make right. that clear. Okay, that's it. That's it. All right. About the voting, why you don't send the day before the thing that we need to vote? Can I make everyone vote and only we discuss that day whatever things we didn't agree, everyone agree? You're saying vote ahead of time once yeah. you have a list? So we don't go that day. Everything we, I don't know, maybe we save 10 minutes. I don't know, but we will say some minutes that for things that we don't need to discuss, and all of us agree. Seeing that they are yeah. not, everyone is on the same page that we vote again in I person. So, so I like the idea a lot, and um, part of the challenge is having dealt with many groups, is not everyone will vote by the 27th online. So right. it will be kind of an incomplete vote. Um, the other thing is, and, and I'm hoping we can circumvent at least some of this. So if we send out kind of the, the initial list before the 20th, um, there may be certain things that we've written in a way that it's like, well, I, I forget what, like, what does this really mean? So if we can clarify things where there's confusion, so we're not having the conversation about, well, I'm not sure what we mean by examine, or I'm not sure, I, I don't remember. So that's the, the kind of thing that usually comes up when you're putting stuff on. It's like, wait a minute, is that really what we said? Is that really the right way to phrase it? And so I'd rather get that input and feedback ahead of time if you feel like it's been misinterpreted or what have you. Karam and then uh, Sharice. We don't vote by that 27. It's like a test. Okay. Yes, because vote early, vote often, right? Yeah, because <laughs> we will discuss every point. No, I understand. We'll be, we will not end ever. Like, I think that will save time. Uh, and it's like, if nobody, like, I think sometimes when you do it by yourself, nobody's looking at you. You can vote it. No one's side eyeing you. You better vote yeah. yes on this one. What do you think is the best way? 
to vote. And then that day we only discuss what you don't agree. Yeah, I agree. Can we give people time limits on the day of the vote? So, so we're not. You like the time limits I had today? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, like if people want to discuss something, I understand that there might be clarification or questions or some dialogue that needs to happen, but to have a 15 minute or 20 minute dialogue on every item, right. we're never going to get through each yeah, so, so could And I know it's not fair necessarily, ideal, but everybody should get a minute or two minutes or something to help, you know, to move this along. Otherwise, we're never. Yeah, we won't never get 20, whatever. Sharif. I just wanted to piggyback and say, if you could do it in a Google thing and the expectation of the group is that you're going to review this before the 27th because we know we don't have a lot of time to go through it and those that don't vote in advance maybe don't participate in the vote and maybe it's a prerequisite that'll force people to pay attention and do it even if you get some consensus through that it will help to move the conversation along or we could have voting and out like have a meeting make it four hours and have like the first part of the meeting is online voting like we all sit down in this room and we have online i'm just gonna say don't do online voting no no people want to hear the discussion so i mean i know you've discussed it a lot but if you do online voting, what's going to happen is you're going to have a lot behind the scenes going on. <laughs> and if you have the vote here while you're on the, um, I mean, it's your all's decision, but if you have the vote here while you're on Zoom and you're being recorded, it's a public vote. If you do it online, you don't know what's going on. Yeah. So I, I just, I know, I mean, this is not that big of a group. Um, if people, you know, people need to be know now that the voting is going to happen on the 27th and just plan to be there. Um, I, that's my opinion. So I don't so um, I I lean towards what you're saying from a transparency standpoint. Um, and I, I strongly lean toward what Kate's it's like come ready to vote. Um, we're not going to discuss anything unless it, it truly is. I need a clarification. Clarification vote. If it's you know if it's sixty two percent, it's not on the list. Let's move to the next one. All right, Christina. I think people need to be in person. Like, I, I think I that as much as possible. There's been folks that have come every time virtually, and that can be in person. I understand sometimes people can't be, but I think that's just going to make it a lot easier. Yeah, so I, I think that also is a good ground rule. And, you know, as Tiffany's saying, she's out of town that day. So, I, you know, what I'll, well, what I'll say to everyone who's still here, and I don't know if anyone's had to leave, um, is if you can be here on the 27th, please make every effort to get here. If you can't, please make every effort to be online the whole meeting so that we capture your your vote. Uh, Pam, then Tim. Again, we sent around, uh, Steve sent around the list of members with very clearly defined who a member of this group is, and those are the people that are voting. So other people may have been online listening, but necessarily a member of the group. And of course, they're not, they're not voting. Member of group that's here on the 20th, or that's present on the 20th. So you have to be yeah. named. But not the non-member present on the 20th. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so I'm just looking, I wanna make sure that I understand it is I'm considering, right? Because we have this list of summary recommendations. I think they're based off the public testimony and you see what kind of morph them all in. Where, I mean, we all put the yellow stickies up on the board a few meetings ago, and I'm curious, where are those? 
was because that was this group's first stab at coming up for at recommendations for a discussion based off of everything we'd heard up to that point. Again, part of the messy process. Uh, so, yeah, so so I did take a look at so I did organize them. I think I sent those around after we had that meeting and then I went back and and looked at both the categories and the specific comments. Um, many of them were fairly broad kind of recommendations of what needed to be done. And I would say the vast majority of them aligned with what we were seeing and considering in the public testimony. Some were a little perhaps a little more specific or a little more nuanced, but in general there was very significant alignment. Um, happy to send that around again to the group if if you want to take a look at that. Did you send um, it to but that's the that's I'm sorry. Did you send it to the whole just yeah. the in the in, the, in between the in between the meeting we did it and the next meeting I did send it out to the whole group. It may have gotten lost in the mix. I'm happy to resend it. But I think as as a small planning group, what we prioritized is the public testimony. And I, I also think that a lot of the ideas that were generated that day were influenced by the testimony that we had heard so far. But if there's something really critical missing, I'm happy to recirculate that if uh, you know, if you want to bring that back up, happy to have us consider it. Harped on it for first three or four meetings. I think the most non-political transformative thing this group could consider is committing to a program of continuous improvement. And I don't see that anywhere in what's been been. Uh, put in the recommendations and I know it was one of the ones I put on the yellow sticky. I think where you have the data line up with the public comments. That's where you ought to be zeroing in and focusing and. It, it, it doesn't need to be. It's all stuff that can. Within the process of running the business of operating ourselves. It can be completely apolitical. It can be. I just think that is something that I, I see missing from the recommendations that we're the universe of recommendations that we're talking about. That over the long haul can yield leaps and bounds of improvements in the process by the people who are running the business of, of it. You know, it, it. I see that's missing. So, I mean, that sounds like something. I mean, almost every organization I've worked with talks about the need for continuous improvement. That feels like a kind of a, a preamble in the report on kind of everything that we're doing here has to have kind of an ethos and commitment to continuous improvement. But at the level of a recommendation, it feels like it's maybe too broad. But I, I completely agree with you that the necessity of it in a process like this. But again, I will recirculate that list so everyone can take a look at it again. And if you think something really essential is missing that came out of that posted exercise, please bring it to our attention. Okay. Also, this isn't as it's the meeting that never ends. <laughs> Sorry, this isn't as I don't know if it's inter intra agency. I'm blanking on the word, but those like Excel sheets that we had that marked like this is for the group, this is this agency, this is planning, this is council, those are all going to be attached to the report. So also when this group ends, 
you know, each agency and council and planning will have all the testimony we got and see like which comment applies to who or if it applies to two groups who need to work together just so that information still being passed on to who it needs to be if the group doesn't continue. Right, and I'm, I'm going to, so in tab B, which is all the comments that came in that were not relevant to DR, but relevant to other important functions in county government, I'm just going to be reorganizing it around so it's easier for an agency to say, oh, this is environmental protection. This is an interagency effort. So we're going to organize it so whoever does look at that list makes it it, it makes it easier for them to kind of find the, the issues for uh, kind of directly relevant to them. And just to answer your question, Tim, the, the recommendations are the ones that we've all essentially coalesced around when we discussed these, when we went through each topic, that's what's coming out of it. And so that's what will be sent around for everybody to look at, and that's what will be voted on. Oh, what Steve just said is we're supposed to look again at the, at the stickies, see if there are things we think are important that we didn't cover. No, no, I'm talking about the recommendations that we are going to be voting on. The recommendations we're going to be voting on are the list of recommendations that we all coalesced around that we've already discussed, Meredith, internally, and we've gone, but adding it through like so after today, whatever we essentially agreed upon will be added to that recommendation list, and that's what everybody will be voting on when we come through more yeah, done. That's what we've been discussing, and we think it, it uh, involved, okay? We started out with that idea. But the discussion evolved that we can listen to the tape. I don't want to characterize it here, but no. So are, are you, wait, I'm just a little confused. So, Mary, are you saying now anyone in the work group, because I thought I heard Steve say he did not want this, that anyone in the work group can just now come forward with any recommendation they feel is missing and they want added? That's not what you're saying. Okay. So what, I, I'm confused How about what you're saying. What she's saying. All the recommendations need to be grounded in the record. And we have a record. We haven't done a technical, you know, formal uh, um, order and all that. But we have a record, and the record is all of the letters, testimony. It's what happened within this room when we met, and it also includes the stickies and the list that we got from that. Unfortunately, we haven't been able to discuss. And all of that is the record from which we can make recommendations. So no, Meredith, that's, that's not, not correct. We already went through the, all of the, we went through the recommendations that came up in the testimony. We went one by one. What we said was any of the stickies, if you had a burning sticky that was related or that you want to talk about that was supposed to come up at that time. So I think what Steve is saying is if you still have a burning one that you didn't get to talk about, please, bring it to our attention, but at otherwise at the next meeting. Otherwise, we've already gone through all of the testimony in all of those areas, and we've we've addressed every single thing that was talked about, and we've boiled it down to a few recommendations that then we will all actually vote on. So let me just give an example of what Christine is saying here. So this is the list that I put up earlier today, right? The beginning of the meeting. Most likely there's going to be. Eight, 10 categories we never get to. That's not to say that the testimony that people made isn't important. 
That's not to say at some point um, some group shouldn't take a look at it and figure out how to address it. But we're, we're going to we're going to be inundated with potential recommendations if people go forward into areas we haven't even discussed yet and start pulling out right. this comment or that comment. That's that's not what that's not what Meredith is suggesting. She's saying if we've discussed it, then it's still open for recommendation. Not that what if it hasn't been dis no, if it's been discussed, then it's a closed matter and it's only a matter of voting, which is what I'm hearing from this side. Is that right? We've, we've gone through every single thing, though, is what I'm saying. We haven't. We've, we've, so we've been doing this for months and we went through all the recommendations, all of everything that people said, and we discussed it at those meetings. So if you want to go back and re-listen to those meetings, please do. They're all recorded and online. But we came to general consensus on certain things. For things we didn't come to a general consensus on, we didn't put that down as a recommendation from the work group. So that's what we have a list of, and Meredith and Tom, and me and Robert, and Pam and LeVu meet on this at multiple times a week. And we have a list that came out of those meetings of the things that there were general consensus on where we can be, where we think that if we were to vote, we can move it forward. We didn't put things on the list that we that people didn't agree upon in here. So, but we were already discussed it all. So again, just to be clear, so that the categories we've discussed are the ones that are highlighted on the on the screen up there, right? And next next week, hopefully, we'll get to a few more, right? Some really important ones on those, like few. More. No, I, I, they're all, just to me, they're all important. What, what we're dealing with is a severe limitation of time, right? We've got one more three hour meeting in which to address categories, and then we've got a meeting where we're voting, and then essentially this group is done and we're moving towards a smaller group writing a report. You know, at some level, I wish we could have found some way to do it, but I'm, I'm really not sure at this point how we can even come close to addressing the rest of the categories. Thanks, I've got Diane. I've got Diane and then Tom. So I keep hearing some the same thing coming up over and over again, and I just want to be clear. I'm only aware of one thing that you said, does the group have consensus on this? That was the SHA item. The rest of the items will be put to a vote. And I understand that there may be other people who are less than the full work group having meetings where they're having discussions and maybe there's some other levels of agreements going on at that sub cabinet level. But as a constructed work group, we each will vote on each of the items. That's not what was agreed to. That was not what was agreed to. That was not was agreed to by whom? By, by us, Meredith, because if we- well, I'm not Meredith. I, I, but I, but Meredith asked the same question, and I'm oh, answering okay, good. her. Diane. So the thing is, are you actually saying we should take that list of was it 400 comments and vote on 400 comments? Because that's well, I, what it sounds like. I thought that I heard Steve say at the outset that he's putting together a smaller list of items to be voted on, and that he's maybe I misheard it. And that he's going to be sharing that list by September 20th for us to look at. So right now, that list in terms of things that had general agreement around the table in previous meetings 
is like 11 or 12, yes. maybe 10. And we're, we'll add a few from today from permitting and from public involvement. And next week we'll add however many we get from whatever categories we, but we're, I'm looking at a list of 20 plus or minus, right? It's not anywhere near the full list. It's it's everything that we've discussed where it seems like there has been general agreement that we're moving forward as a list. Tom. Key point in that last statement seemed like this is a subgroup that came up with these an effort to consolidate and state some recommendations, but it's still a subgroup. The whole group gets to discuss these subjects and if they want to make adjustments or they think that there's some difference with what the small group thought characterized the agreement, then I think everybody this is a big group and they all have their own opinions and they have to have the opportunity to adjust those so so tom help but help me understand so the meeting on the 27th to to finalize recommendations is two weeks from now right so i, I guess i'm not clear on then what are you suggesting how how we build that list so so you have already said uh, 20 minutes ago you're going to send out that list of recommendations so that everybody else can look at them, see if that is coincides with what their judgment is of where those consensus. And then if they think there's something that's missing that they thought was part of that consensus or or they think that those statements of the consensus don't quite capture a consensus, then the rest of the group can comment. I mean, that's, no, so I, I, I that's think that's, that's, that's totally that's fair. Yeah, right. that's totally so fair to do that. These aren't just, they can't be written in stone without the whole group having. Right, and that's so. not what we're saying, but what we're saying okay. is we're going off of what our, I mean, otherwise, God, Tom, I would love all that time back that we've been spending trying to come right. to, yeah. to an agreement on this. Um, we're going off of the list that our subcommittee has come up with, and we've talked about it extensively. And if people in the room, the greater, yeah, we we don't get to make the decision for the greater body. Everybody else gets their vote. Everybody gets to say what they're going to say, but we're not going off of 400 comments because we don't have time for that. I should note too. It was to help organize the discussion yeah. for the recommendations. So, right. so, so just to be clear again, so that list is whatever it is, 10, 11, 12 right now. And there might be four or five that come out of today. We're going to have to kind of go back and look at the notes and see what rises to the level of it felt, felt like fairly solid and general agreement around the table. Add that to the list. We can circulate that. People can comment or propose edits on that. Um, we'll send it out by the 19th, maybe close of business. On the 20th, we'll have further discussions and there will likely will be further recommendations to be added to that list based on the conversation this group has and that those will be added and that will complete the list. I mean, again, I'm, we're, we're dealing with a 14 day window here and we're, we're kind of flying by the seat of our pants and we're still trying to schedule all the meetings that we need to deliberate internally to get us to the 27th. So we're, we're going as fast as we can. Just want to mention that you know this follow-up work came up with Al when I started talking about intake and yet it was the first bullet on the lead agency discussion. I mean it's not like I came up with this oh guys I just want to talk about intake I just took the document that we we're supposed to be discussing 
and since things have been a little chaotic, you know, and talked about the item that's right here. I, so, so but I think I think so part of, afraid of things. It's, that I don't think it's I don't think it's fear, Meredith. It's that part of what I'm trying to do is address issues that we haven't talked about yet. That's that's part of my mission here. Issues we haven't talked about, and that seemed to be one that we had give. We may not have gotten to a point of clarity or recommendation on it, but we had ample conversation about it. That's all. So that so that's my mistake that I didn't remove it. I, I mean, well, I don't agree with you. I thought you know we have been also a little. It hasn't been limited. Let's put it that way. Okay, we'll remove it so that there's no confusion next time. I'm, I'm hoping we, it's almost one o'clock here. It was scheduled for 1230. Let's let's wrap this up. Sharice, final comment. For all intents and purposes, when I'm looking at these, we have talked about all of these things, not in the approach that we've taken to get to the recommendations, which is going through each person's public comment and speaking to it. I think there's an opportunity to look at them holistically, maybe you agree, maybe you don't, but they are kind of saying the same thing that a recommendation could be made for. So maybe if there is agreement that our approach to the public comment isn't to just go through each person's thing, especially for a topic as important as the lead agency. I know that this work group has talked about revisiting that document, editing it, and that it's going to be a sub thing or whatever. I mean, that all that's a big deal. When I look at lead agency, it's like who's in charge? Who's the authority of the lead agency is the big question. So I just make that recommendation that maybe to get through all of the things, it's not, hey, every single person that made a testimony, we're going to answer your testimony, which is not, it's not, that's a very ambitious goal we had, but in the interest of time, maybe we just consolidate the general consensus of what these people are saying and address it that way to get through it. We've kind of been trying to do that. We added those bullets. I think you did a good job of it. I think they did a great job of it. You know, the agency actually we have like discussed five here. actual comments and it actually did get actually five bullets because they were all pretty desperate, but yeah. you know, yeah, I mean, so so yes, we have the summary bullets from all the categories, and we've all seen how long it takes to go through a single bullet, right? Exactly. Every week, I have this aspiration that oh, this should go quickly, and it almost never does. So uh, you know, I think it's. I mean, we can take this internally, but I I I'm not sure how else at this point we have one more three-hour meeting. Um, that we change up the process that much and start drawing possible recommendations from categories that we never discussed. I, I, I don't, I, I'm, at least I'm not clear right now in my head how I would manage that because it feels even more unwieldy than the unwieldiness that we have. If we had more time, I'd fully embrace that idea. I've so, got one more three hour meeting here. What's wrong with Tom's, what's wrong with Tom's proposal then? You put together the list of items that you think that there that have been robustly discussed and actions that have come out of it or that have suggestions, and then let everybody look at it and see if there's other things that should be added that they we thought were not part of it. I mean, it just 
that part this is you know a serious to me this is very much a transparency issue so so i mean i agree with what tom said we're going to send out whatever list we have on the 19th before the meeting on the 20th we're not going to discuss it at the meeting on the 20th but we're going to give you now eight you know seven and a half eight days to really kind of digest it i'm hoping that later that week after our meeting on the 20th if you have significant feedback either I don't think this belongs, or I think you missed this, or right. this is mischaracterized, whatever it is, to let us know, because we've still got to put together a final list that's going to come to the meeting on the 27th. I, I so, do think there should be a little bit of balance on that, but one, it should be something we've discussed. Two, I think where people can go to to get some guidance on how did that discussion go, I don't quite remember it. Either you rewatch, or you read that Steve has taken really great notes. Um, and so we've really taken great notes. And so that is what this internal group always relied on were the notes, not our own memories, but like going back to the notes and saying, okay, what did we cover? What was said? Where did we land based on what has been recorded? You know, nobody said, okay, we've discussed intake now. And anybody else have anything to say? Because we're not going to discuss it again. And we didn't do that for all the different things, and it doesn't mean right. We didn't open. It's not open-ended. But I just want to point out, Meredith, I had a game plan of of talking about five categories today. We got through one and a half or two, right? So that means that there's even more to try to discuss on the twentieth. So I don't know how to kind of with this group put defined time boundaries on people that we can stick to. But the bottom line is that whatever we get through on the 20th is where we end up. And that I think in good faith, we can the best we can do is try to identify the things that there, there's general agreement on by the group throughout our whole process. And that whether that list is 17 things or 26 things, then we do the best we can to get through that whole list on the 27th. And I like I like Christina's idea of of making that a four hour meeting just so we don't leave recommendations on the table. I don't want to get to the 27th. It's 1230 and I'm on recommendation 21 and there's six more that haven't been voted on yet. If we can get through it in less than four hours. Perfect, but it seems like we're shooting ourselves in the foot if we don't give ourselves ample time on that lap. So are we starting it early? But these aren't. I have another meeting to go to. 9:30 to 1:30. 9:30 to 1:30 is the general four hours. I can't event. stay. I can't stay. When they, uh, when it's a point that, like, I see this the entire time. Like, it's a point that, not, like, always, is a disagreement, and the discussion go around and around for one hour. If, if the discussion is about the same thing and. People saying the same thing over and over again. Like, give us that limit. Like, yeah, okay, you say it, you say it, let's vote. <laughs> because that is the only way that we can go. On the 27th, you're saying. The, no, on the 27th. Next meeting. Next, next time, too. Right. Yeah, because it's like, we were discussed for hours and never got a resolution. So let's decide. <laughs> or, or leave it at both recommendations, different recommendations, and we both accept on the 27th. It's the only way that we can move forward. <laughs> <laughs>
I think. I, I'm doing the best I can. No, I, no, I know, I know. The more people can help me around the table of moving the group along, I am all in favor of it. So. Everyone do a very good point. Yeah. But I mean, it's a, it's a, if we want to go through everything, we need in faster and no I think but I think we need to acknowledge we're not going to go through everything that, that that's I mean if you look at where we are I know but we're not and we'll have to figure out but at least how it will be addressed the maximum point that we can and we can know doing the things every meeting thank you all appreciate you. you appreciate your uh endurance in this process